Hey Dez, why don't you start your fitness journey with my free beginner's eight-week calisthenics guide. It's budget-friendly. I mean, it's free. <laughs> and it's packed with a lot of value. Step up for your family and yourself, man. Grab it now in the links below. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Dad Podcast. I'm Barrett Nobel, the host, here with my biggest fan, uh, Taylor Letwin. Definitely biggest fan on my side, at least. <laughs> What's up, Taylor? Hey, Barrett. How are you, man? Great to uh, finally get in here, into the podcast with you. Been excited. Yeah, yeah it's, it's been a journey. I'm excited for it as well. I don't, I mean, it's obviously it's a brand new podcast. I've had maybe a handful, eight to 10 episodes, but I just, it's so exciting for me still. <laughs> I'm, I'm always wondering with the dudes with like 400 episodes, like, are they still psyched to like chat with people? Maybe I'll get there. I'm planning on it, but we'll see. <laughs> well, I, I look forward to, I'll, I'll be honest, I listened to the first one and then found out I was going to, okay, if I'm going to be on here, I'm like, I got to clear the mind here. I'm going to, I want to do my session and then now I can go back after this and, and start, and, right? start listening to them instead of uh, letting the wheels churn, you know, so get this one, uh, get this one out of the way. And then I look forward to catching up on your shows. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I got, I got a couple in the backlog that I'm still processing cause it's just me and it's fairly easy cause I don't edit anything um, for right. better or worse. <laughs> I'll have Fair to, enough. I will have to edit one of these because the, the recording stopped recording on the guest side about halfway through so it's just <laughs> the, the latter half of the recording is just me speaking and then it's silence because that's when they're speaking it's just really awkward right. so <laughs> I'll, I'll cut that part out but getting it sorted know, out man. getting it sorted out yeah so tell to be here yes tell sir us a bit about your background man oh man where do you want me to start? Where Where's everybody starting here? I mean, uh, I could fast forward up till now. You know, I'm uh, 44, uh, married. I, I got three wonderful kids. Um, so, you know, that's uh, the new stage in my life. You know how, uh, you know, we move through all these, these other stages. And, you know, this one is uh, obviously the most important and uh, the most involved. Everything I guess I've been working up to now is... Uh, is right here in front of me. So, um, yeah, three wonderful kids, two girls and a boy, uh, married for over a decade and, um, you know, jumping back into the, the fitness thing and the nutrition thing, just because, um, it was time, you know, you can, uh, like anybody, I can make a, a lot of excuses and, you know, life can, uh, take a lot of turns and, uh, you know, things can get away from you uh quick so yeah. that's how i kind of ended up back on this journey this idea that hey i gotta i gotta put some me time first so i can i can be the best for for my wife and for my children and uh and really i'm only using up any of the time i would have been wasting anyhow so there are no excuses right <laughs> i'm just i'm operating within that time that would have been well wasted and that's where i'm finding my my spot and awesome. um yeah, and, and I mean, that, that brings me here. That's the, the smallest part of my background. Um, 
what that yeah, brings me that, here. That's, that's such a good perspective on it, though. Um, I remember when I was younger, so my grandpa said something. I don't, I don't know. He says a lot of wise things to me, but it was it was along the lines of what he said. He's like, you're you're gonna you're gonna be there in ten years anyways. You might as well get something out of it that you want instead of just kind of being screwed around for ten years. Oh, that's that makes perfect sense, Grandpa. I mean, I didn't heed it as vice because <laughs> I was just a straight alcoholic for a decade. But we all yep. <laughs> we all uh, don't listen. We have to learn things out on our own. <laughs> yeah, some you know, I think some kids come up and they're 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 wise beyond their years, and they actually learn from other people's mistakes. Um, it's yeah. taken me quite some time to get there. Uh, number one, to to heed some of those some of those words that uh, my stepfather used to say to me and I'd go in one ear out the other. And then 10 years later, I kind of click in, um, you know, yeah. I, I, I've gone to school of hard knocks, I think, and, and had to learn the hard way. So unwise in a lot of ways, but um, you know, I, I, I think I've picked up some interesting tidbits that are going to help me parent my children also along the way. And just hope that they're going to be a little wiser beyond their years and not have to, learn the hard way right because we <laughs> yeah. can learn from other people's mistakes and we can, yeah and yeah it's, it's just <laughs> i think it's taken me to about you know 40 years old to figure that out but yeah that's okay better late than never for sure I was better late comment, than never i was gonna comment on your your comment how you said you were like kind of easing into the fitness and nutrition and i wish i had a a way to pull up uh, your current image, I would say easing is a bit of an understatement because you're, you're you're super jacked, man. <laughs> ah, I appreciate it. I'm uh, I've been on a on, on a pretty good system, uh, you know, for approaching eight or nine months now. Um, I jumped in uh, with some coaching with the Betcher brothers, brother to brother. Here's a plug in for those guys, two super super guys. Nice. Uh, don't get any better, uh, those brothers, and they really just helped me uh, turn things around. Uh, being in being in a group amongst some uh, you know accountability partners and uh, you know what Chris and Brett brought to the table, how they laid it out, how they simplified it for me, you know, put some things in front of me that were new and very new and that have been working, and also uh, you know put some things in front of me that I went, wow, I know that I knew that. Why did I stop doing that? You know, and it's like okay, let's start doing that again and let's try this new stuff. And uh, just, you know, a new way of training, uh, you know, some zone two stuff and some uh, ways of doing resistance training that I wasn't doing and a lot simpler. And the results, they spoke for themselves. So I benefited uh, really, really well from actually jumping in one of these groups, doing the online thing, uh, you know, against my better judgment. I was very skeptical. You know, I'm handing money over to these guys I don't know like yeah. i'm street smarter than that man like is what i was thinking <laughs> right all the spidey senses were up but you know what um after a first couple meets with with brett and then jumping in that group i knew right away these guys are legit and uh group ended up being worth far more than the money i paid Good for it. that's awesome to hear just yep. specifically for what i'm trying to build out here too because yeah that's honestly one of the biggest forms of resistance I come up with is uh, like I'm charlatan. I'm just snake oil salesman or they've had bad experiences or, I mean, they don't know me really. I mean, you don't technically know me. We do have a, a very 
awesome camaraderie in my opinion and i would totally chill with you in real life if we were yes. in different countries <laughs> right that'll happen one day brett it will we're building a rapport here i mean uh oh, yeah. and i like i appreciate the back and forth that we have i <laughs> i get a chuckle out of it i i right we carry on we laugh we know we're right but we're also driven in a, in a certain direction and i but i get a lot out of it so and i'm pushing for you buddy what you're doing is it's right there. And so because I've really reaped the rewards of, of, you know, a system or a program or an online coaching program like you're doing, I know. And I'll tell anybody who's listening, listen, you find the right people. Barrett's one of them. I believe Barrett to be one of them. You will do well. Get in there. Jump in there. You put your money down. There's something about it. Hey, my money's down. I, I want something back from that and uh, and go out and get it. So don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to jump on. These guys are offering something that uh, you just can't get in every town, right? You're limited by whatever town you are. You're unlimited, I think, by the uh, by what's available online. Anyways, there's just a little plug there for for doing what you're doing because uh, it worked for me with, uh, like I said, with the Betcher brothers and brother to brother. And there's there's guys out there, gals out there that are offering uh, real services, right? Yeah, that we can yeah. benefit from. So. What would you say kind of inspired your athletic pursuits? I know it's somewhat, I mean, fairly recent. I mean, you did your base jumping yep. stuff, and that's pretty, pretty wild. I'd like to talk about that in sure. a bit. But yep. um, besides your family and just personal fitness, is there anything specific you can think of that's inspired your athletic pursuits? Yes. You know what, uh, Barrett, that's a really good question. I mean, um, I think being active and, you know, being, uh, able and being, um, you know, have, having certain abilities to show up every day and work hard. For me, it really came out of, uh, out of the work environment. I mean, that's, I mean, I skateboarded when I was a kid, I, I played a little bit of sports, but you know, I came from that, uh, from that broken home. You know, my dad was an alcoholic, a drug addict. He was, he was the life of the party for a long period of time. Everybody loved him. He couldn't put the plug in the jug and, you know, he couldn't put the, uh, he couldn't put the, the play things down. Let's say when it came time, when, when life got real and, and it destroyed him, right. And it destroyed our family. So it was very difficult for my mom to put us in sports. We moved around, we changed schools, you know, kind of got settled in. My stepfather came into play. I was angry. Right. I was an angry kid because of that. Um, I got wrapped up into drugs early. That's that's kind of my story. And I came through it. And fortunately, uh, I, I got clean and sober early, but um, I got working for a, a Mennonite farmer who had a construction company. And that was his background. And he was an extremely uh, disciplined man. He was a hard worker. He was very meticulous. And when you showed up to work there, you know, you showed up to work and I, I learned a lot there, right? I learned a lot there. I, I worked there for 13 years. Um, we were a production company. We were, we were on the tools, man. We were in the dirt. We were in the sun. We were in the snow and we worked. And yeah. I think there is where I built that physical aspect into my life. And, and the more I look back, the more respect I have uh, for Alf is his name. I got a lot of respect for him. He, he really helped me to grow up and be a man. Right. And, you know, from that, I started going, okay, well, I want to expand on this a little more. Uh, you know, I started jogging and, you know, got into a jump into a 5k and, you know, do a 10k and, you know, got 
wrapped up with some people that were going to the gym and started doing that type of thing. So I was just build, building up my physical capabilities. Um, that kind of transitioned over to skydiving, which uh, once I got a taste of that, I was, I was in, man, I was like, I want to, I want to learn how to do this. And so that's what I did. I worked sewer and water. Um, I skydived from skydiving and transitioned to base that sport, both those sports required that I be in reasonable shape. I, yeah. right. I had to be in reasonable shape. So I looked after myself and uh, I worked and I went to the gym and I did those types of things and I maintained a, a pretty decent, uh, physique, you know, nothing crazy. Um, my nutrition was never where it should have been, you know, again, being young, you could get away with a lot of stuff, <laughs> yeah, <you> uh, <laughs> right. I didn't have the knowledge, you know, I, I wasn't sure I've been taught so many different things like, you know, growing up in the nineties, you know, oh, yeah. uh, you know what they were pushing on us, who knows, man. And I wasn't thinking <laughs> critically about it. So oh, I had man. no idea. I had no yeah, idea. I honestly just believed whatever they said. Cause right. I mean, they're the experts, right? I don't know. I don't have time. I don't spend 30 years in a research Institute trying to figure out what all this stuff was. So I'm looking at the food pyramid, eat a bunch of grains. All right. What? Easy. <laughs> they're easy to eat a bunch of grains, but come on now. Right. Yeah. Like, and, um, exactly. So, you know, the, the construction world was, you know, coffees and donuts showing up all the time, you know, and then periodically we had a couple of us that be like, you know, enough. Like I had a supervisor that, you know, it got so bad. He was running across the job site, kicking off the coffee. I told you don't come here. Like he was a madman, my buddy. Like we worked together for seven years on a crew and uh, yeah, he chased the coffee truck guy off the job site one time because he told oh him, don't God. come back. I don't want you here. Right. We don't want your food and don't try to push it on us. So you know, but you know, the construction world, man, you drink coffee, you eat donuts, you, whatever you bring, whatever you bring. Sometimes you have a lunch. Sometimes you don't, you're going out to eat. Yeah. It was, uh, it was hit or miss, dude, hit or miss for the longest time. Then you try some of these different products. You're eating protein bars and you're drinking these, you know, I mean, the, the, the stuff's come a long way. Yeah. Um, but I was never really ever on point. I didn't have a simple program. And, um, I don't even think I was aware that there was really this system that, that could probably work for me. Um, and look, I can look back and go, oh, why wasn't I just eating steak and eggs as my base? Why didn't I just have ground beef and Greek yogurt in my lunch? Why didn't I just, you know, there could have been some simple things, um, that may have propelled me a little farther, but again, live and learn it's life. Right. So yeah. I think that brought me to, I mean, really what that brought me to is the last about two and a half years leading up to this transition. Um, I was just, I was, I was really busy. I, I mean, by this time, I mean, quite some time I had shifted careers. Um, I work for a big utility company now. It's a lot different than the production life. Hey, we work, but I'm a utility worker, man. Like work a lot of overtime. We take time off. We have, yeah. you know, quite a bit of freedom throughout the day. If we're getting calls, we're busy. Great. If it's not, I mean, we can cruise around. We can go shopping. I can go to a park and go for a walk. As long as I have my phone, I could knock a workout if I a workout out if I wanted to. I mean, it's hey, we're there. We we respond. Great, but it's a completely different 
atmosphere down there. So I was busy picking up side jobs. We had been moving. I'd been working on a couple projects, um, you know, some irrigation projects at my cousin's farm. We bought a townhouse. We renovated the whole townhouse two and a half months. Every waking hour, Barrett, I was doing something, man, like after work. And it just wore me right down. And but by the end of it, like I was I was subsiding on like one meal a day at the end of the day, going to like some burrito place or whatever (laughs) fast food joint and flying on these espressos with like a French vanilla base drink terrible my buddy gets me onto one of them and it it was just like you know you're hitting these double espressos with like and i'm living off these things and it just it caught up to me like stuff started to hurt i did a i did a big pile of hardscape at my house about 800 square feet of hardscape put all the stone put the pool in 38 ton of stone did everything graded it jumping jacked it my buddy who's helping me is in a wheelchair it's me and him we do 800 square feet of hardscape He's the brains. He's pulling tapes. He's, I made every one of those stones, Barrett, every wow. single stone, big, thick ones, too heavy. Some of them you got to pop back out and put back down. And, you know, we're pulling straight edges and bars and string lines. And like, we did it proper. It was a lot of work, man. And it yeah. something, it just did something to me, my shoulder, <laughs> my back. I remember thinking I should be getting stronger. And I, <laughs> this is what I'm thinking. And Barrett, I felt my strength aura was weakening. I felt this, that internal part was weakening. And I went, I'm getting weaker. Like, what, what is the old man strength that they talk about? That yeah. <laughs> I shouldn't be getting weaker, man. And there was a, something happened there. Something happened there, bro, where I said I shouldn't be getting weaker. And that was the start of like, I got to look into something here because uh-huh. I'm not doing it right. That's awesome that you were cognizant yeah. and just aware enough in your own body to be like, something's not right here. This seems to be going the complete opposite direction. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And, and as I look back on it, I realized that I ballooned through the winter, put on a pile of weight. My excuse was, oh, I work outdoors. You got to put on. Well, you know, we have the technology, coats, jackets, coveralls. Like, I don't actually need to put. I'll tell you, though, you put on 10 pounds of fat in the winter, it's noticeable. <laughs> If you're lean, if you're lean in the winter, I, if I'm lean, if I'm lean in the winter, I'm chilly. I got to put, you can put 10, 15 pounds of fat on and you feel a little more comfortable. However, <laughs> it starts to catch up on you. So my, my thing was I put this weight on throughout the winter and then, you know, spring would come and I'd have all this extra. I'd be walking around at like 185 to 187. That's not a good weight for me, man. And then I would trim over the summertime, like, you know, intermittent fast, fasting, one meal a day, you know, that type of stuff, right? Living off, you know, coffee and just flying around. Um, And then I cut all the weight again by the end of the summer. I'd be sitting around whatever, 175, 173. Sometimes I could get down into the 160s. I'd be really lean. Um, You know, I mean, not lean like we see these guys, these professionals, but I'd be lean for my, you know, this 168, 167 is a decent weight for me, but I wasn't doing it properly. And I'd yeah. be running this, this, this wave that, well, guess what? That's going to get harder and harder to, yeah. you know, sooner or later, that creep is just going to <laughs> continue creeping. Right. Oh, yeah. And, later, uh, and again, down slope's not gonna, it's not gonna quite dip as low. And then next year it's not as low. <laughs> 
Exactly. So all this stuff was right. And, and I just didn't, I wasn't, I didn't feel good, man. I didn't feel, that was another thing. Like physically, yeah. I just didn't feel good. Things were adding up. Uh, the bugaboo spot, the, the shoulder, the knee, the low back. I was like, oh man, this stuff's coming on. And then you start remembering the old guys. Well, I don't jump off that machine or, you know, wait for the, wait, wait for the chain and the excavator to pick that up, right? Like, don't throw that around. Don't kick stone like that. With, and you shut up, old man. I got it, right? You're thinking yeah. to yourself. Then you yeah. start going, ah, oh, man, this is what they're talking about, right? So, you know, that was another one, man. I think pain's a good motivator. Um, and, and that brings us right around to what you asked in the beginning. And, and this is what brought me to uh, saying, hey, I got to make a change. You know, um, I jumped onto the Twitter, uh, the Twitter thing because of the Elon Musk type of uh, chatter that was going on. I was interested in what was happening there. And from there, I just kind of end up down this rabbit hole and... Um, you know, kind of fell into the, to the fitness Twitter, uh, you know, channels. And, uh, that, that's kind of how it happened. So it's been a huge benefit for me. Really. Yeah. yeah Jimmy, now you're on a podcast about <laughs> fitness and fatherhood. <laughs> so who would have expected that one? Right? <laughs> no, no, never. No, I could have never, I would have never expected that. I did. I had no idea. I had been at that point, probably off of really any, any Facebook for, we're talking five to seven years, yeah. which was fine for me. So, you know, I was, I was doing Wordle and, you know, I was, I was following uh, news feeds and, you know, really, I can't think of what else I was, I was really doing much on my phone. I, I didn't play games, you know, I, I did like the latest, you know, articles and stuff going on, but um, you know, Twitter or X just has a, a, a different feel. Um, you know, the way it, it, you know, you're, you're, your feeds curate to the stuff that you're, you're looking at is very interesting. And of course, mm -hmm. once I got onto the health and nutrition thing and it kind of sparked that again, like, Hey, you know, I used to like going to the gym. I used to, I used to like, uh, you know, doing some training and, you know, I look back at some of my timelines. The last thing that I had had done Barrett was, uh, 2012, the CN tower climb. So I don't know if you're familiar with the climb. I don't know if you'd ever, it was I, a once a year thing. I'm familiar with the tower. It's, I just know it's up in Canada and it's gigantic. <laughs> yeah, it's big, man. It, it's fun. And uh, once a year, they, um, they'd hold a fundraiser where you could get in and you could make the ascent up the steps. And That's awesome. it'd be, oh, it was awesome. It was awesome. <laughs> and um, I went out with a couple of guys. I got the invite. I, I jumped off the couch kind of, I wasn't really training for it, but still back in 2012, I was in decent shape. And uh, I put in a, a 15, 25, 15 minutes, 25 seconds to the top. So I was, you know, at that point, but that was really Barrett. I look back and I'm like, that's like really the last thing that I've done. That was 2012. Not, not to, not to say I haven't done anything with my kids and my family and, you know, not to discount any of that, that had gone, gone on. Like, I don't want to discount, but I, I just mean something where I got up and, you know, uh, just went out and, well, you know, that's not true. Actually, I did get off the couch a few years ago and I, and I jogged a half marathon in about two hours and 10 minutes. And then I couldn't walk for three days. So that's not true. There was, there was one other thing that I did that's coming to me. <laughs> that would be about, yeah, maybe four years ago. So 2012, 
And then a bunch of years later, I get up because somebody says, hey, my sister, let's go. Anyways, I do the half marathon, took me three days to walk normal again. And those were the last two things that I had done, you know, uh, nothing regular. And uh, I definitely didn't, you know, have a routine and I was anything but consistent. So you just kind of did an untrained half marathon for fun. <laughs> I did. Yeah, totally untrained, totally That's untrained. Like I was, I was hobbling around for, uh, for a couple days after that. Right. <laughs> yeah, right. So, and, and, and I like this Brett, Brett, I met Brett Betcher had a, a pretty good, uh, whether it was his or where he got it from. And it was essentially the idea, you know, that, <clears throat> you know, it, it, it doesn't really matter what you can get up and do. It's what you can recover from essentially was the idea. And that struck me like, yeah, okay, get up and do that. I didn't recover very well from it. So I wasn't <laughs> ready for that thing. Right. Yeah. Big difference of, you know, um, being able to do something and being able to recover from it. Like you see some of these guys that we follow, but they go out and knock off, you know, these ultras and then they're back in the gym the next day. Right. And that's a testament to, you know, their conditioning. Yeah. Yeah. Those ones are, those are inspiring. I like seeing oh, that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Boyd Myers comes to mind oh. specifically. Why like, yeah, I ran a hundred mile ultra marathon yesterday. Today I should have rested, but I'm doing 600 pound deadlifts oh. instead. And like, Jesus Christ, dude. Oh, he's a wild man. Oh, he's a wild man. I, I tried. Sometimes I Google stuff for distances just to get a feel. So I'll Google from here to, you know, let's say the, uh, the auditorium in Hamilton and go, wow, that's, you know, it's, it's 160 kilometers around the horn from me into somewhere in Toronto. Yeah. Right. So to do that hundred mile means I got to get up and I got to head to Toronto. <laughs> it's a long way. Yeah. Like, put some fun perspective on it when you like, uh, put it on the map and see like, all right. Yeah. Where you're really going. Yeah. That was one that I liked this year. The, the ultra that I ran. So I live on long Island. So it's really, it's long and they named it well, but it's, it's kind of, yes. it's kind of short. But I ran okay. the whole length from the North Shore to the South Shore. And it's way more fun to tell people from the island that that's what I did instead of, oh, I ran a 50K. They're like, oh, yeah, it doesn't sound like much. Like, well, yeah, but it, it was. <laughs> oh, that that actually is lake to lake. So if you, I, I can, and I can get a perspective. I've, I've ridden my bike there on a on a mountain bike race years ago that they, they'd run around here. It's called the lake to lake. It was a lot of fun. And it's from Erie to Ontario. And that's essentially 50 to 55 kilometers, depending where you do it. So I know exactly how far that is. Even to attempt that on foot by any means would be a long, long way, <laughs> let alone running it. Right. So yeah. I can grasp that. I can grasp that. That is the distance across the Niagara region. Thanks. And yeah, uh, it was it was fun. How'd you yeah. feel? I, I I would think I would have been fine. I hyperextended my knee at like mile 25 or 26. So I kind of like hobbled the last 10 miles, which sucked. Yeah. But I wasn't going to not finish it because that right. was my goal. Um, but up until then, it was pretty fun. It was, a, it was a trail course, which I didn't really notice when I signed up for. So I had my road running shoes on. Right. <laughs> That's probably why I stepped wrong, but um okay anyways, it was, and it you was start really to fatigue yeah. yeah you start to fatigue this is this is what i'm hearing so why i'm extremely motivated to do one of these things although maybe if, if i find my body in the right condition i may end up is that 
I couldn't feel my arms. I hyperextended my knee. I broke my foot. But everybody finishes. But something's either numb, paralyzed, dislocated, <laughs> hyperextended, or broken by the end of these ultras. I'm like, okay, that's if that's what you're signing up for. I mean, something's going to go wrong. But everybody finishes. Whoever's yeah. showing up there, man, the mindset's already locked in that they're, you know, short of a catastrophic right short of a catastrophic and going down it yeah. sounds like you guys are finishing and i i love that mindset that 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 pushes me i i enjoy those stories um and you know what these days at at, at my age i don't let that i don't let that get me down you know like i i know that what i'm doing and 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 how i show up every day there's somebody if they looked at what i've done they'd be like oh i can't do that no you can do that Right. So I'm going to eliminate that. I'm eliminating that from my mindset. Hey, I might not be doing that yet. Maybe I won't. I don't know. But I, I don't look at people and say, I can't do that. And even if I can, it doesn't matter. That doesn't bother me today. You know, I think that's important, too. I'm just going out, showing up, doing what I can do to be consistent, because this is what I'm finding is the key. And I'm buying into it. Is that the consistency aspect? And that's what I've missed my entire life. I've been so driven by how I felt or my emotions or, you know, and just from one day to the next, well, that can change drastically. We know that. So I'm yeah. trying to get away from that and, and use this instead, you know, put the intellect over the emotions where it should be. Just go out day to day, do what I can do to build myself up, not break myself down, show up every day, be consistent. And that seems to be working. So that that's yeah. kind of, that's where I'm coming at it from now. Yeah. You'll, I mean, you'll, in the long term, you'll crush anyone with consistency versus anything else. Like the, right. the motivation, even the discipline that breaks down eventually. But if you just keep showing up consistently day after day, you're just going to, you're just going to dominate regardless of what, what aspect of life you're talking about, whether it's food, nutrition, family life, parenting, being a good husband, being a good wife, just putting in the work, man. That's, that's literally right. all it is. And it's so funny whenever I'm talking with clients or any prospective clients, um, I'm just like, it's, this isn't really that hard and you know it. And I honestly try to simplify it and <clears throat> dumb it down as much as possible because it's not that difficult. The difficulty is with the consistency and that's what the coaches are there for because they can help you not, not just the motivation. Cause I'm not, a, <laughs> I'm not a cheerleader. <laughs> But the accountability <laughs> is one of the biggest factors. I just got a funny vision now. there. Funny vision. No, you're not. You're not a cheerleader. But <laughs> no, no. That, that's why I sucked hey. as a personal trainer when I was younger, because everyone expected me to be a cheerleader and I was just an asshole. So I'm not going right. <laughs> to do right. well for that. But yeah, yeah, it's such a good, good point is the consistency, even if it's shit. If you just get five minutes, just crank out a set of push-ups or air squats or anything, like just ha building that habit and yes. making it part of your life, and it's it's just the compounding effects. It's like in, it's like investing. Dollar cost averaging is going to crush any sort of investment over time, just because you're just consistently doing it every week, every day, whatever your frequency is. It's it, right. it's going to compound, and the end <clears throat> result is going to be much greater than if you like. Uh, I'll drop a thousand dollars here or I'm just going to work out really hard for this month and then slack off for three months. Like it, the, your body's going to adjust so much. 
there's no way you're going to be able to recover from that well enough. But if you just work out consistently those three months, you're going to be much stronger, much healthier at the end of it. Yeah, that's, I mean, for sure has been the, uh, it's, it's just made, made the difference for me really was, you know, kind of the program that was laid out um, and the simplicity of it and not overdoing it and just, you know, showing up every day. And, you know, I've made a few mistakes along the way. Um, Sure. You know, obviously wanting to, you know, maybe go a little harder, go a little heavier than uh, certain parts of my body were, were ready to. And, and yeah. you know, I paid the price, um, but <laughs> I, I paid the price, right? But yeah. I mean, haven't we all? And, um, you know, but finding that, finding that structure, having, you know, I got the, I got the setup in the basement. So I can, if I have to, I can knock off a little circuit down there. You know, mm-hmm. I, I got a, a great uh, trail system, you know, along the water for uh, jogging and finding this uh, zone two type of secret, you know, that Chris gave me. I, I knew nothing of it. Um, and I've been implementing that. It's like, you know what? I'll be able to do this till I'm an old man. I'll, I, and that's fine. So yeah. that's what I think. I run like an old man. That's how I do it now. And I'm happy with it. And it's the best place for me mentally. Because it's, it's in that spot. In zone two is where I build the self-belief. It's where those, those old memories come back that drive me forward. Those, those things that, um, that did motivate me. That I, can, I can pull some motivation from there. There's a, there's a place. There's something, it opens up something in my mind. And um, it, it just, it's an antidepressant, man, for me. So even yeah. if there isn't a great, great benefit overall, like you would get from resistance training, there, there's something else there that, um, you know, getting out on the, on the pavement or the, the trails, uh, it, it just, that's what it gives me. And then of course I can end up down, uh, at one of these parks here where I've been, you know, staying active with my mobility and flexibility, really adding that in, doing my calisthenics, um, you know, and it, it's been great. So I, I've just, I've enjoyed it. I've, I've done everything I needed to do out, outside this summer. And uh, just recently, uh, last couple workouts, I've made it back to the gym. I was like, okay, kids are back in school. You know, weather's going to start shifting. It's time to get back at the gym, see where I'm at, you know, assess a couple of the issues that I have. Uh, one of them being the, the three discs in my low back that I'm working on, but um, they've been a the son of a gun, but uh, <laughs> definitely overcome right now, but uh, I'm, I'm working through it. So, yeah. Yeah. You had good points there with the, the zone two and not pushing yourself too hard. Cause that was, <clears throat> that was my biggest takeaway when I hired a, a running coach, because I've talked about it previously, but I, I mean, in any sort of athletic endeavors that I used to do, it would just be run as hard as you could until you were exhausted, take a break do more really hard sprints or just run till the coach makes you puke basically. And that was, that was how I learned how to run. And when I got older and I started incorporating a little more cardio into my routine, uh, that's how I'd run. And I'd injure myself every single time. Eventually it, it would go about a month or so. And then eventually I would just push too hard and be like, ah, hurt my calf again or hurt my knee or my ankle or something. Now I'm out for like four months of, kind of just walking instead of actually running. And so once I hired a, a, 
a running coach. He's like, have you ever heard of zone two or like the 80-20 principle for running? It's like, no, I have no idea what that is. He's like, run slower. That's it. It's real basic. If you can breathe through your nose, you can have a conversation. I got a heart rate monitor just to make it like super precise for me. But that's what it ended up being for me is like, if I can breathe through my nose, I'm basically in zone two. He's like, just run slower. He's like, you're going to build that foundation. And it's going to help you, one, stay injury-free, which was my biggest issue. And I was like, why am I always getting hurt when I run? It's just running. <laughs> but um, I don't remember where I was going with that. But, yeah, zone two is phenomenal. And I I 100% get the mental side of it, too. It's, <clears throat> it's so meditative for me as well. And yeah. I, I run without headphones or anything um, just because of that aspect of it for me, I like to be able to hear the birds or I try to run through nature as much as possible, hear the wind blowing through the trees, boring shit like that. But it's, it just helps my mind ease and relax and like become in tune again with my own body, hearing myself breathing. And it's so meditative and cathartic in a way. It's exactly what you were saying. It, it, it like pulls deep recesses of my brain where I'm able to oh yeah this is kind of why i'm doing all this again and it's 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 beautiful for lack of a better word i really enjoy zone two as much as i still hate running but it's it's that much better for me and kind of with not your push but your inspiration i've been definitely doing a lot more barefoot running as well (laughs) i'm basically barefoot all the time in general but i've never really tried the running with it right how'd it go how'd how'd you feel it's not too bad. I have to make sure that I'm in a fairly clean path because the pebbles fucking oh, yeah. destroy Oof. me. But oh, that's, yeah. that's something to build up to. And also those yeah. those shoes that we're looking at as well. I think that'll that'll help ease the transition a bit as well. Just because I'm still I'm still doing my research on them. So I want to I want to pull the trigger on something because um, it is getting you know, I'm, I'm up fairly early. And now it's just it's darker. It's it's damper. I know things are going to change. And then, um, you know, uh, I'm a little more apprehensive, uh, barefoot, you know, doing the barefoot jogging when I, you know, when I really can't see what I'm doing. Yeah. Uh, and I think that, you know, I've, I've, you know, I've proved to myself, okay, I can can get out barefoot. I'm going to be barefoot as often as I can, but it would also be somewhat intelligent of me to have a little bit of protection on the bottom of my feet. Uh, yeah. for doing what I'm doing, but, um, I, I do enjoy it. I, I, I think, uh, it keeps the, the mind focused, like in the moment. Uh, that's yeah. what I find. Um, that's always been something for me. I'm very, uh, I can be very scatterbrained. I can, I can go in a lot of different directions. Uh, even when I, I, I get working on things around the house, you know, I, I could be going from one project and that tool will sit there and I get onto something else and I'm like, well, this has got to get done. And I, I tell myself that and I'm off to the next thing. And I could have three things going on, um, <laughs> which She's isn't like always. My wife is, she's got a little right. child. I can almost like follow her path when she gets home sometimes. She'll, she'll start working on this and then she'll find a little piece of something like, oh yeah, I got to go do that. <laughs> I got to go do that. Right. Yeah. So that's always been, uh, you know, an issue for me. So I find with, uh, you know, the barefoot, uh, the barefoot jogging or hiking or anything, it, it brings me into that zone, right? Because I got something to look after, you know, there's stones, there's, 
you know, dog crap or whatever else is in the grass, you know, running on grass. Okay, well, go ahead and run on the grass. But there's more to look after on the grass. When I'm on that stone path, yeah. it, everything's a lot more visible. You know, the uh, the random twig with the, you know, pointy little stub <laughs> on it that you, you come down on that you don't see or the pine cone. The pine oh, cones look gay. We got these tiny little pine cones and yeah. they're dry, man. And you come down on one of those things just right. You, you're going to know it, right? So at least with the stone trail, you kind of, you know what you're getting. Right. Um, and then of course the asphalt, I find, okay, in my, in my area, we got a lot of old asphalt that's very pitted. Um, so it, it wears the, my toes, they get cherry red from running <laughs> on the asphalt here. And then there's a couple newer sections that are smooth, which is nice, but I honestly find the sidewalk to be the most reliable. You, you can see what you're getting. The contrast is there, you know, exactly what's in front of you. Yeah. And you're, you can rely on the consistency of, right, the, the concrete itself. And, and yeah. so I know this idea, well, I don't, you shouldn't run on, well, look, I, I'm doing zone two stuff, bare feet. Yeah. I've, I've gone out, I, I set my, my best time there. I did that four mile at, I think I was in and around eight and a half minutes a mile for barefoot just to see what I could do. I was happy with that. That's yeah. not something I'm going to be doing regularly. Um, but I just wanted to prove, okay, what can I do barefoot, right? Yeah. And, uh, but again, so the different, you know, feeling it out, um, I got a decent spot, but I, I'd be happy to put some, some of these barefoot, these barefoot shoes, I'm interested to see what they're like, but even just to have a leather pad along the bottom of my feet for running, uh, yeah. as this weather gets, so it's going to turn on us here in Canada. It's going to turn on you guys pretty soon too, right? So yeah, yeah, it definitely will. I mean, yeah, not, I, I don't want to be stupid about I it. Grew up, but... Right. Like, I don't want to be stupid about it. Right. I don't know. I don't want to get hurt and be like, oh, well, what happened? Oh, I don't know. I drove a something right through the bottom of my foot. Right. Like, <laughs> oh, well, what were you doing? Well, I was out uh... jogging in the night. Right. You know what I mean? Well, then you're an idiot. That's what you're going to get from somebody. Right. Hey, if you do it and you don't get hurt, but you look cool. The minute you get hurt, right. you're an idiot. Like, it's the fine line. of, You know how it goes. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah, people think the stuff I do is nuts. Oh, I bet. <laughs> Guaranteed. Oh, you get the looks out there. You know, that's why I like going out early in the morning when there's basically nobody around. I'm not going out. I look crazy. They think I'm coming out. You, they, people look at you <laughs> like you just come out of the psych ward if you're jogging down the, right, in your bare feet. Yeah. Like, no shirt on, dude. You're going to get maced. <laughs> oh, yeah. You're getting maced, but they're, they're stepping off the trail. You know, you, they give you the look. You know that look they give you. Oh yeah, especially if you got the little, uh, little five-inch shorts on and no shirt. <laughs> you definitely. I'm a long short guy, you know. I'm a long short guy. I mean, uh, that's, that's <laughs> the five-inch shorts. Yeah, I like the I like the old climbing short style, man. I've been wearing those for years. I don't know why. I got to get a better tan on the upper leg though. If I'm gonna, <laughs> I got to start getting into some. <laughs> so, I don't know. I'm just so used to it. I like I like the feel man of the the longer short right but yeah i don't i don't i have one pair that are i mean they're not super short but i don't i don't understand the appeal of it all i mean it's cool if you to show off muscle definition i guess that's the goal i don't i've never had issues with long shorts getting in my way i always thought that was the issue yeah. but i don't know what it is one of the things i don't understand <laughs> it's a long list of those things <laughs> oh yeah hey those are all the nuances right yeah. So those are all the nuances. 
but I'm, I'm happy with the I'm happy with the t-shirt and a pair of shorts and uh, and that's you know what I look forward to this time of year I'm, I'm not looking forward to having to start thinking about what I got to put on when I go out however um, once the weather really turns then uh, then I'm getting back into the suit which I was running in uh, last year. So I look forward to that. So um, it makes it pretty simple. I have a uh, full insulated FR pair of uh, coveralls. Nice. The, uh, yeah, the, the, the full on, right? They're from the, from the gas company that you could never wear to work just because they're, they're too heavy. <laughs> if you were standing there, they're good. But uh, I've been using them for the last few seasons for everything from tobogganing to shoveling the driveway. Because the best part is you, you come out in your gitch pair of underwear, man, and you step into these things, zip them up, and I got the full full suit, there right? It and it, it's orange. It's got the whole construction setup. What I started doing last year was I started running. I said, well, what I'm going to do, I'm going to zone two in, in this suit. Nice. And then I had a pair of boots, so it was a 14-pound setup, which I found it was decent, and I, I got this nice pair, of, uh, nice pair of baffins that are super comfortable, and, uh, and I run in that get up and uh <laughs> so awesome. i i look oh yeah so i look forward to and then um, so once the weather gets to that point bang that's it and again there's no thinking right it's early in the morning you get up yeah. you step into the suit you put your boots on and uh and you hit the road do some zone two and another thing that suit has allowed me to do and it's been the it's been the hack for the cold exposure is at the end of the run i can end up down by the lake and I can just gear right down and then get into the lake. And so I was doing that once a week as well. At least once a week was what I set my goal to. And I said, I'm, get, I'm in that lake once a week, no matter what. And, and that's what I did. And then you could jump back into the suit when you get out of the, out of the lake and then uh, walk home. And I'll tell you, that was just invigorating. It was a great way to end a whatever, three, four, five, six mile jog. And you're heated up. And, yeah. you know, you, you step out and you do a dunk into the, into Lake Ontario. And it, it was awesome, though. So, That'd be a badass picture, too, because all the steam would just be coming off your head and everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. When you're gearing out of that suit, for sure it was. So I do. That's, uh, that's something I do look forward to. I'll miss this weather. Um, but, yeah. hey, four seasons, what are you going to do? Yeah, exactly. So, Looking ahead, looking ahead to, you know, how I'm going to just keep this thing going, which is, you know, uh, I'm just happy to have that mindset locked in, right? Like the mindset feels locked in. Like this is, I've laid down the groundwork. I have enough history. I have enough background in me from, and now I've been given this new approach and I'm just going to, right? I'm going to be that guy who's consistent. I'm just yeah. going to keep showing up little by little. Say? No. How would you say your family's uh, adjusted to all of this past year or so with you uh, getting a little more involved with the nutrition and definitely the consistency with the, the working outs? They made fun of me for a little bit. What do you, what do you, <laughs> That's what, what people oh, let, let me guess. Yeah, my, my middle child, she's, uh, me and her have a great, right? Oh, what are you having again today? Eggs? Let me guess. <laughs> Let me guess, you're, you're having eggs. Like, she was on me, bud. She was on me, but they're catching on now. They're catching on, you know, and um, they're jumping in and they're enjoying, you know, their steak and their eggs and, 
you know, uh, uh, with, with everything else that they have, that's fine. That, that was a, a little bit, um, you know, of course my wife, she, she knows how I am. So, uh, it was no surprise, you know, yeah. but again, it was that, okay, here we go. Like right now you're on to something else. Right. Um, <laughs> that's so funny. Right. So it, it was, it, it was a bit of a, it was a bit of a transition. Um, as far as what I was doing, uh, for my fitness really wasn't because I, I was doing that, you know, 4am quarter after four getting up. I, I found I, I'd like that time in the morning to read a bit, you know, have my coffee come around the mindset would come on and then I could get out. So I, I just knew, well, here, there, there's these guys that are getting up early. Um, again, being a construction guy, getting up early, wasn't, wasn't new to me. You know, 4am was though. I, I wasn't a 4 a.m. guy. I was always a 5 a.m. guy, though. Like, you know, yeah. I'd be up at 5 or quarter after 5 or 5.30. Or, so, you know, I backed it up there because I said, okay, well, I still like that time to, you know, that quiet time that I needed. So, you know, that didn't affect them at all, right? Yeah. Get the kids to bed, spend a little bit of time with my wife. Sometimes, hey, we're both tired. I, I like going to bed early, get down. I'd be up early. I'd have that time in the morning, the brain would come on, turn on, and I'd be out the door, uh, you know, either, uh, you know, uh, doing my jogging, if that was two days a week, or I'd be off to the gym. And the gym was uh, on the way to work. It was at work, I got a gym, then I signed up to a gym, and I also have my basement. And if I needed to go down there and knock off a uh, my routine, then that's what I do. So that never put them out at all, right? which was good, but they did notice the eating. They noticed the change in the eating. They made fun of me for a little while. And now slowly everybody's getting on board. Like, you know, for instance, my one daughter this morning, okay, you ate a couple hash browns. That's fine. What else are you going to have? I can cook you up some steak right now. I got some steak hanging right here. Boom. Chop a few pieces off, air fry it, drop some salt on it. She just ate that steak out of a bowl this morning. It's like awesome. right there. They're jumping on board. Yeah. So it, it's, it's going over well. And my wife, but I've learned she's tough not to crack. I don't tell my <laughs> wife how to do anything. Last thing you do is tell my wife how to do something. However, lead, lead from the front. She's yeah. going to do her thing. My wife's her own person, man. She's fucking hard-headed, right? Yeah. And that's fine. Like so it. am I. But little by little, she makes her adjustments. You know, I had a podcast. She's out for a bike ride this morning. She's doing it. I'm going to go for a bike ride while you're you're doing your podcast. And okay, babe. And and that's it. So she's seen what I'm doing. Um, and as long as I don't get too, uh, you know, I, I can't get, uh, I got to be open to, to some things when we're having dinner together. And that's what I've done. I've been pretty strict about certain things where I was eliminating stuff from my diet and that's yeah. fine. But you know, not being so regimented that I can't enjoy a Sunday night dinner with my family and I'm not going to yeah. eat the whatever it is that she made. Right. So I think that's important, too. But also Definitely. being being regimented where I need to be regimented has been a key for me. Yeah. Finding that balance for all of that stuff is certainly one of the hardest aspects to it, specifically being a father and just the whole relationship with the children and the wife and my wife's exactly like yours. She's very, very firm in her ways and she knows what she wants. And that's one of the things that I love about her also. So I, I would feel disingenuous and shitty 
honestly, if I tried to force her into any of the stuff I do, I do exactly what you do. I try to just lead from the front, show the example of, hey, this is what's working for me. I'll gladly bring you on board if you're interested, but I'm not going to force you because no one wants that. And that's not good for any relationship. No. I'm sure. I mean, you've been at it for a decade, so you have a lot more perspective than I do. We've been married for three years, three years, maybe together for four. So still fairly new relationship wise, yeah. but it's, it's awesome. We definitely have a very open communication. And I think that's one of the keys to sustainability with relationships like that. And she has the understanding that I'm weird and do weird stuff all the time. So she likes that and understands that I'm not going to try to force her onto it. I may make some comments here or there that I, I probably shouldn't have about <laughs> dietary or fitness choices, but yes. that's, uh, that's just, I'm just trying to help out, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. I know how that goes. Though. I hope you're really enjoying this dad fit podcast with me. If you could leave a review, your feedback helps me and dads worldwide together. We're unstoppable. <laughs> it's never gone over well, but I just can't help myself sometimes. So sometimes, yeah. yeah what do you? That's good. Do? Three years. Congratulations. That's Thanks, uh, that's great. Yeah. Me and my yeah. wife actually go back to uh, grade five, grade six. So I've I've known wow. her family. Uh, yeah, we were cut from the same cloth. We um, we grew up in the same town. We uh, we kind of intermingled in the same circles, you know, up through high school, um, reconnected, uh, in the mid two thousands, um, just socially in, in, in social circles. And then, uh, yeah, going back, I guess, 2009, 10, we crossed paths again, uh, both moved out of our prospective cities to another, another city, which where we're at now and, and reconnected then. And that's how it kind of unfolded. So, um, we do have a bit of a, a history and, you know, in a lot of ways we, we come from the same place. So we have a lot of the, the same issues, the same, you know, uh, for other reasons, she lost her dad young. She was four. That's been a, a real sore spot for her. Crazy okay. story, but he's, he, you know, he was, he was 34 years old. Right. And, uh, went, went to the hospital. He had the, he had a terrible flu influenza, which turned out to be influenza. He's extremely dehydrated and they sent him home and he died that night from dehydration, Damn. which is like, you know, you got a 34 year old man coming into the hospital cause he's sick. You take a look at it. Something's wrong here. Yeah. Right. We generally don't go to the hospital unless something's really wrong. And he was that sick. He went to the hospital. They sent him home and he, and he actually perished man, that night, which is devastating for her. Oh, and, sure. uh, yeah, my old man died. Uh, you know, my father died when I was 13 and that was, that was tough. He took off to Edmonton and, um, you know, they were going to fly us out there. I remember and my mom said, look, you're not going. Uncle John said, don't send the kids. And I got to, I got to accept and He just recently passed, but I got to accept that uh, my uncle John knew what was best. They were closest from brothers. Didn't want yeah. me to see him that way. I disagreed with that for a lot of years. You know, who was he to yeah. make that decision that I couldn't come out and see my dad, but you know what? Maybe I got to trust that it was the right decision. That I, I didn't need that memory of what he looked like. He he died from uh, he was dying from cirrhosis, 
and he had a brain hemorrhage, which actually took him out. So he was extremely uh, bad condition. Yeah. And, uh, you know, again, that uh, that's tough. I mean, my wife had that kind of connection. We lost our dads, right? Uh, we both got wrapped up in, uh, you know, we grew up in Welland, Ontario, man. Welland, Ontario, it's a, uh, you know, an infamous uh, little town, you know, in, yeah. uh, in Niagara, right? It's got a, a lot of history, history with uh, drugs and alcoholism, like a lot of little towns do. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, and we both fell into that, those groups and those circles. Um, so, you know, coming through that, being in recovery, you know, my wife's battled, I've battled. Uh, so we, we have some, some heavy connections there, you know, um, yeah, you know, I'm not always saying that's a good thing, but that's the reality of our relationship. Yeah. Um, you know, and you know that sometimes hard times and experiencing hard times and having similar hard times can be bonding in a lot of ways. Oh yeah. Um, and again, breaking that cycle, raising our kids differently, right? Our parents tried the best, man. We can we come up in the eighties, you know how it was. They <laughs> smoked and played cards and drank. And I have memories of that. Like my best yeah. friend, like, you know, his parents were still alive, but when we were over there and my parents were over there, dude, the house was full of smoke and they were playing cards <laughs> and there was beers and we were riding our bikes around. And like, that's what we did. Like, yeah. <laughs> right. Eating cereal, eating yeah. cereal in the morning and eating cereal at night because of that There's food no pyramid, rules. right? You know, <laughs> so sure. I mean, those are, yeah, it's just, that's how they, that's how things were, I guess, in, in some ways it wasn't terrible, but you know what? Like we're not drinking in this house. We're not smoking in this house. There's not, my kids aren't going to see me drunk or high or any yeah. of that stuff, man. It's not going to happen. Right. So it's just going to be different. I'm going to, I'm going to try and lead by example. Um, you know, there's some athletic athleticism from my wife's side of the family and, uh, you know, not too bad on, on my side either. Um, so my, my kids are all pretty well, fairly active, right? My middle child is, uh, you know, head, head deep into gymnastics. She loves it. She's, she's built like a little gymnast. Um, and I'm just going to try and lead the way and support them in that and, you know, do the best I can to be a, a good father figure. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Very similar uh, <clears throat> upbringing in small town upstate New York. And <laughs> the only thing to do was to drink or drugs. And if not, you were just in cornfields. Like that's, <laughs> that's it. It's, it's rough. It was very, it is very difficult to break out of that. And my parents weren't, they weren't crazy involved with all of it, thankfully. Um, but they had their own, side of it that I didn't necessarily agree with. They had, they were just like on the, the religious side of it. So they're like the, almost the extreme opposite in a, their own way. Um, but it's, it's whatever as well. And I, as you know, I've also had my own battles with alcohol and other drugs as well. But yeah, it's, it's interesting now just being a dad and how that's, completely shifted my perspective and I'm only fairly recently sober maybe a year and a half or two years at this point and it's it's a struggle as I'm sure you know it's Ooh. it still is every day for me it's it's bizarre because of how much I crave drinking and I hate that I can't just have a beer or two with my buddies like a normal person 
I wouldn't necessarily call it normal, but I just, it's not in my makeup because I can do that for like six months. And then the next thing I notice, I'm just chugging liquor for breakfast just to get through the day. And it's bizarre to me that that has such a hold and on me, especially if you look at the rest of how I live my life, it's obnoxiously disciplined at some times. And I can easily say no to things that I know aren't good for me. And alcohol is just such an asshole. <laughs> and just Terrible. any of that stuff. And there's just really no, nothing beneficial for it in my life. So that's why I had to completely eliminate it. Like I said, I tried just having a drink or two, maybe at dinner out with my wife or something, but it inevitably always ends up bad long-term. So my only other option was total elimination. And I really am grateful for that to be able to not drink despite my intense desire. It's not nearly as bad as it used to be. Thankfully it's, it's, it's waning more and more each day, but yeah, it's, uh, it's just dramatically improved. Not only my fitness, but my relationship with my kids, my wife, everything. There's, <laughs> I honestly have no downsides to it. And I, I feel for others who still struggle with it. And uh, just that's how addiction works. It's, it's a bitch. <laughs> it's a tough one, man. And I think knowing knowing ourselves i think that's the key you know like you know whatever that is whatever the complexities are you know emotional or genetic or mental or you know however that works you know and and nobody quite knows i mean it's far too complex um but yeah i, I think it is fair to say when you when you know if if that's you and i know that's me i've you know i've had over uh, uh, 10 years twice and, um, at actually at, at around 12 and a half years, um, I sobered up first March 8th, 1999, uh, at around 20 years old and I was a drug addict. I mean, there's, there's no way around it. I, I was, I was a drug addict. I, I used IV, uh, methamphetamine and cocaine. I had overdosed in Vancouver on heroin. Um, you know, I, I remember telling myself, well, because what I knew is my dad was an alcoholic. I, I didn't find anything out till later, till I cleaned up. My mom told me, you know, that he was using drugs too. It was the eighties and he got wrapped up in, in the cocaine scene. And then that everything just unraveled our, all our lives yeah. unraveled. It destroyed our lives. But I didn't know that I knew he, I knew he drank and he died from cirrhosis of the liver. So I told myself, well, I'm not going to drink, but I ended up smoking marijuana. I got wrapped up with the group of guys who uh, had access, uh, you know, straight up to a, a cocaine house, a crack house. It was crazy. I'd been involved in a raid there where literally they came through the doors and the windows, like, so I got caught up in a raid at that place. Not, yeah, it was, it was, it was crazy, buddy. They knocked the, the whole front door down. We had a railroad tie that used, I lived at the house. They had a railroad tie that used to hold the door shut. Um, I tried wow. to go out the back window. I got a gun put to my head. True story, man. We got all rounded up and wrapped up in there. But <clears throat> that was just the environment that, that I came up in. And, uh, you know, I ended up going out west to try to get away from my problems. So I took my problem with me because that was me. Um, and, and from there, <laughs> ended up in a treatment center and uh, cleaned up anyways, March 8th, 1999. So, you know, 
I was an addict and uh, my life yeah. changed dramatically when I cleaned up. Everything changed in my life. You know, I, I got that job that I talked about and, you know, I built the, uh, the relationship with my family. I earned their trust like crazy. Like I got an aunt giving me her, oh, we're going away for, can you just look after our house and cut? They're giving me the keys to their house. You know, I'm a, uh, a member of meetings where I have keys to churches because I'm opening groups for, you know, I opened a group for eight months. I was the, I chaired the group. I was on committees. I, you know, my life changed drastically. Right. And, um, you know, at about 12 and a half years in, I, I got a brand new job. I think I'm normal again. And I can, and again, it, it did not take long. Right. There was uh, about an 18 month period. I lose my job. I'm into two more treatment centers. Like. I was in the psych ward. They came, they took me out of my apartment. They had paperwork. I had three cops, like cop cars, two ambulances around my apartment. Cause I was running up and down the street in my bare feet, screaming at people. There was like fucking dude, I was seeing stuff. So listen, I can't use safely. I cannot use safely. It's, it's yeah. just, that's not me. Right. And uh, I'll tell you what, man, I mean, I, I got back into the pharmaceutical amphetamines and that high grade marijuana that's out there today. And it was crazy, man. I had some visions, you know, nobody else was seeing them. So they took me away. But, yeah. um, you know, I, I'm fortunate, man. I, I got another opportunity and uh, and I sobered up again, April, April 27, 2013. Um, I was I was removed uh, from alcohol and drugs. And, you know, that's my, that's my clean date. And, you know, not everybody gets that second chance, yeah. you know, won an arbitration case with my company. I got my job back. Uh, you know, I'm one of those guys, that's my story. And, you know, I know though that, you know, whether it's alcohol or any other mind altering mood changing chemical, I just, like yeah. you said, okay, one or two. And then, but then next thing you know, it's just, you know what I found this thing up here. I, I expect far too much out of those pro I expect them to do far more than, than what they do do. And they never meet the expectation. And then I, I lose the ability to, I don't care if it's Tuesday, like, you know, yeah. my wife always tells the story. I'm, I'm, I mean, I could go into it about this arbitration case. It was long. It was, it was crazy. They, they the union wasn't backing me. I was out of my mind. Yeah. Um, I ended up in Toronto, seven or eight floors up in the lawyer's office. I hadn't slept in five days. My wife kept telling me, well, my wife now, but weird. You got this appointment. You, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll be fine. Dude. I went in there, hadn't slept in five days. I couldn't even hold the pen in my hand. My wife had to take notes. I was so out of it, man. So out yeah. of it. But I'll tell you what, 10 months later, and that wasn't long before I got taken, taken away. 10 months later, I'm out of treatment. I'm sober, clean. I showed back at, at that office and the national president from, he told me later, he's like, dude, if I didn't know that was you, he's <laughs> like, I wouldn't have believed it. And he said it for me, he said it was like something out of invasion of the body snatchers, the wow. difference. Yeah. So after they saw me there, they said, okay, listen, let's send this kid to not this kid, but let's send this guy to this expert who puts, airline pilots and uh train engineers back to work right and this guy buddy had a repertoire like an unbelievable uh skill set everything from a coroner to a police officer to anyways he ended up being a doctor and an addiction specialist 
Trevor Gilmore is his name. He's out there. I, I'll if anybody wants to look him up. The guy's amazing. Knows his stuff, and you know he was the third party assessment guy. And I went in there and I sat with him. He, he interviewed me for about two hours and uh, and wrote a really good report. Said this this kid is in in full sustained recovery, and I foresee a positive outcome. Basically, that's what his report. And after they got that report, the union. Buddy, they came right around. They were in my corner. They backed me up, and we went in there, and I showed up consistently every time over the over a bunch of years, you know, clean and sober, and yeah. that's how it unfolded. But um, they uh, things changed. They saw it, and you know, uh, for me, I look back on that, and, and that's the I know I need to be sober. Yeah, and that's it. Yeah. There, there is yeah. no other option. Yeah, I have. Uh... I definitely have a very addictive personality and I, f- I feel like that's why we vibe so well too. <laughs> uh, not just for that, but I mean, my wife, you made a comment earlier that was funny. Um, it's like, Oh, what are you into now? I was like, my wife says that to me <laughs> every month. It's like, Oh, what are you doing now? Cause I'm always just, I just d- jump into something. And it's just, right. That's just how I am. Thankfully, Fitness and nutrition has been fairly consistent throughout my entire life because of all the crazy stuff that I do jump into and just go crazy with for months and months at a time. And I definitely, it's like a superpower in its own way for health and fitness because I'm able to channel that into that healthy behavior instead of all the destructive ones that seem to easily find them in front of me. (laughs) And yeah, it's it's a superpower. That's how I try to yes. reframe it in my mind. Yeah, being sober is, especially when you know the other option is is like kryptonite. You know, I, and I think just knowing that is, it, it to come to terms with that is is difficult. Um, you know, it's easy to think that that we're different than the next guy. Well, you know what? Well, he couldn't do it, but I'm different. I can go back and you know, again, I had to test that the hard way. Um, I I should have known. Uh, you know, at 12 and a half years, things were deteriorating in my recovery. I could have reached out to people. I didn't, I was, I was hanging around people. I shouldn't, I was in a situation I shouldn't have been. And for that decision to make that decision after 12 and a half years, I can only describe it as this, a broomstick, a solid wood dowel just went crack inside my head because until then I was, was very rigid in my sobriety. To, yeah. to make that decision wasn't an easy one. You know, it was like crossing a huge chasm that night. And, yeah. and when that cracked um, and I made that decision, it, it, it was terrible. It was, it was a terrible one. Right. So, um, and it, and it just twizzled and it twizzled uh, fairly quick, you know? So again, okay. I learned the hard way. I know now, but the insanity would, the insanity would be to go, wow, <laughs> you know, let's say, t- right. Well, I'm, but, you know, but I'm in my fifties now. Right. Or whatever other excuse would be, you know, my kids are growing up now and maybe I'd be able to, well, no, that's crazy. Right. That would be crazy. So knowing who I am, it's, that is my lot in life and and it's not a bad one. Right. And, and to look at it like a superpower is a, is a great perspective, right. That I can be sober and stay sober. And some people, man, when you when you get to it to the bottom, they look at you and go, "Man, how do you do that? I wish I could do that." And they don't have crazy problems with it, but they know it drags them down. 
Yeah. They know it drags them down. I got a good buddy. He said, oh, man, if I just have one or two beers, he said, it throws me off for like three days. My nutrition's out. It changes the, the, my approach to things. I'm not on. And then I got to recover from that. And then before you know, then the next weekend, I have four, five, six, seven beers. Then I'm actually, I feel like shit. <laughs> and then what? Then it's another three, four, five days. And, you know, yeah. he's got a good job. He's got kids. He's a great guy. He's, you know what I mean? He's all these things. Right. But he's affected by alcohol and almost just enough that it, it, it holds him back, but not enough that he, he can actually get up and do something about it. Right. Yeah. So yeah. that's a tough spot to be too, man. Yeah, it is. And that's, that's where I was for so long. And I can completely relate to that one. I mean, I didn't have kids and stuff at the time, but just career wise, I could have been much farther or a bunch of other nonsensical stuff but i mean i couldn't go to canada for a decade <laughs> yeah right so stupid shit like that but yeah it's I, w I went sober for quite a while for several years just because i knew i had a problem and then i tried to ease back into it like how we were talking about yeah i can do one or two here and there maybe when i'm out to dinner and then it just it always ends up poor and up until yeah. about a year or two ago like i said I finally just had to accept that's who I was and that's that's me. I, I just can't do it. So I just have to completely cut it out. And as I mentioned, it's there's no there hasn't been a downside to it. So I'm very grateful for the support of my family as well cuz I don't necessarily think I would be at this point without having that support system around me and a couple of my other friends are also addicts and they've gone through lots of programs and rehab. So I can lean into them as well for just general support because they know and you know, and you, you need that community aspect to it as well. And that's one of the biggest pushes for what I'm trying to build with the fitness part of it is it, there's, there's really not much spectacular with what I do and offer uh, as a coach, but I'm just trying to build out more of the community aspect to it because I feel like that's the biggest component missing in a lot of fitness programming today. And you mentioned it earlier, that was aside from the, the sparks of knowledge of, oh, maybe I can try this instead of this, or just kind of dumbing it down, easing it, making it as minimalist as possible because it's not complicated, but the community aspect of it is I think the key differentiator for people like myself and the gentleman that you work with as far as all encompassing and it's so much more enjoyable and rewarding when you have the camaraderie of the community to not back you, but just general camaraderie. It's, it's so much more <laughs> satisfying. Very much. Yes. The communities. Uh, and, and again, this has become normalized and, and I, and I think we've taken it and, and run with it, you know, forced into this type of community through the, uh, the COVID interruption as we know. And, and now it seems, you know, we're coming out the other side of it, you know, bigger and better and, you know, taking something that was maybe, a a no other choice you know, a downside, Hey, this is how, you know, whether it be through meetings or through, 
you know, workspaces or everything everybody had to do with the online community. Now we're, we're rising up out of it and excelling with it saying, Hey, wait a minute, this expands our, our reach. This expands. I would, I would never have been able to connect with you. Otherwise I never would have saw you. Yeah. Right. How would I have saw you really? I mean, maybe yeah. I would have saw something on the internet about, about, uh, your, your program that you're offering, let's say on some pop-up or something, but yeah. Hey, you're in uh, long Island, New York. I mean, I'm not connecting with you. That's not, it wouldn't <laughs> have been reasonable. Right. Yeah. But now through this, we've gained access to, to so much more to, to an online community that, Hey, then we could take out there and bring that energy into the gym or into work or uh, wherever it is. I mean, um, quick story about, you know, the kind of the, the positive ripple effect of, of this. I, uh, you know, caught the attention of a few people at work. Um, number one, uh, you know, and, and they played a part too. Two guys kind of played a part, a good buddy of mine, another guy I work with, they were kind of going after it, hitting the gym, you know, trying to watch what they were eating and doing that type of thing. So I, I was seeing that, you know, um, but after I jumped on board and, and the results were starting to show and these guys are seeing every day, I'm showing up, my lunch is on point, not eating out, I'm, I'm sticking with it. One of the guys approached me and said, hey, you mind, uh, you know, I'm just... I'm not happy with where I'm at right now. You know what I mean? I mean, uh, the weight's piling on and, you know, yeah. he went, I'd, I'd like to make an adjustment. So, you know what? I, I just put together essentially in, in a whole bunch of text, the long and short of what it was that I was doing. And I, I shipped it over to him. And this kid, I, I think he's, uh, we always say, and I say a kid, but we're all growing up. You know what I mean? We always seem <laughs> like kids. Yeah. But we always kind of laughed at we like Scott's this guy's on the spectrum a little bit, you know, cause he's very, he's very systematic, which works good for, for gas technician. Like there's, you're yeah. working on live gas, you're doing taps, you're doing stops. There's a, there's a set series of maneuvers that you need to do. And he's very good. You, you want somebody who he doesn't operate outside the box. He's very, if, if things change on the fly, it, he doesn't like it. Like he's just a, I'm like, Scott, this is what we got to do now because this has changed. But you want yeah. a guy like that because he doesn't miss stuff. He's going to, hey, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, purge that. Check the pressure on that. Did anybody, you know, having Scott there is, he's on the spectrum. So when I put this to him, dude, it's been about three and a half months now. And buddy, he's starting, he's in the gym. He's up at 4 a.m., right? His lunch is the same every day. He bought a meat slicer. He's cooking stuff. He's bringing his, right? <laughs> he's on it, dude. So I shipped him this simple stuff. Basically, hey, this is what I'm doing, Scott. And he jumped on it, man. And he's still on it. And he's going, it's been about three and a half months and, uh, and he's seeing the results and so am I. And I'm like, Scott, buddy, right on, man. So it does have a ripple effect, you know, and that came out of the online sphere and rippled into the community, right? Awesome. Even if it's just one person. So I, I definitely, right, have propelled one person, you know, yeah. uh, onto a journey themselves, right? Yeah, that's all it takes. It's it compounds, and I'm sure, maybe not, but he might influence someone else, and then it just keeps growing like that. And it's, 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 it's like it's like I said earlier, for lack of a better word, it's beautiful. It's taking yeah. something digital and making it tangible in real life. And that's that's my biggest goal with it all as well. Not only digital community is perfect, but. I also try to do in-person events and stuff. And I, 
I like the camaraderie of digital, but there's just nothing that beats shooting the shit with people in real life or shaking hands or just getting your ass kicked in a workout with someone next to you. There's, there's nothing that beats that. 100%. 100%. It's great. So what do you got? Any uh, future goals coming up, Taylor? Any uh, races or events or anything, maybe? Um, you know, I, I, I put that honestly, I, I put a little bit of that on the back burner because of the, the low back issue that I'm having. Although um, I'm feeling like I, I honestly really feel like it's coming around. Um, I'm set up for uh, some imaging uh, soon, probably within two months. I'm on the list. So as soon as I get the call, it's tough to get in around here for, for stuff. Um, but at least we have the, the opportunity. So they're going to do an MRI and I'm actually going to, uh, I'm going to utilize that, that cortisone shot. Um, you know, I've talked to a few different people, the spinal cord specialist said, listen, we, we can go either way. He said, but I, I do believe that at, at your plate, there's, there's a, essentially no negative to it and that it could promote healing. If you can reduce that inflammation and uh and continue to do the work that you're doing you will the very least you're going to get a sore injection site and that's it there's 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 minimal negatives to it and it could it the outcome could be very beneficial for you so uh you know at this point before i'm doing any races or anything my my key focus is uh really just on on healing um it, it's been a bit of a battle Barrett, since january uh, pain tightness soreness fatigue everything uh you know, essentially every day, uh, some worse than others. Um, there was a point where, you know, my back was spasming, you know, about every 10 to 12 days. And I had to battle through that. Um, I, I, I never quit. I kept showing up. I kept doing all the things I needed to do, all the physio, you know, uh, working on all the recovery that I could, but, um, it, it's, it's a real issue right now. Um, yeah. I, I got, essentially spinal cord specialist looked at some of the imaging that I had got done. And he said, listen, Taylor, at the end of the day, you look, those three vertebrae look to me like a 60 year old man who smoked his whole life. No shit. So I said, thanks doc. But he's just trying <laughs> to indicate like, this is, this is what you have to deal with. It, it's yeah. not the end of the world, but you got to work through it. You know, I, I spent a lot of time on a shovel, um, you know, 10 years as a mainline pipe player, uh, unless anybody's done that type of work, they, they don't know. I got more time dude on a shovel and a jumping jack and a quick cut saw and a sludge hammer than you could line 10 average men up and they won't get that time on those tools in a lifetime. What I did yeah. in 10 years and right. I was in the trenches. I worked behind 40, 50, 60 ton machines. We put pipe in the ground. Our bread and butter was subdivisions. So we did wide open lots, you know, 20, 40, 60, 80, 150 lot subdivisions. We did all the sewer, all the storm and all the water main. We cut all the roads. It was work, man. We worked, yeah. right? And um, so I, I spent a lot of time in those conditions, uh, in the trenches, hot weather, cold weather, mud, you know, dry, dusty, you know, shoveling stone, shoveling dirt, um, put a lot of wear and tear uh, on the spine, more, more than probably the average. Um, and, uh, I, I really triggered it with, uh, with a hard, uh, hard parachute landing. I crashed the parachute after making a bad decision, which really triggered everything. I bulged the disc and caused some issues there, which, uh, have kind of compounded over the years. So yeah. mentally I'm feeling like, Hey, I'm getting to a point where I will be willing or ready for 
jumping in on something, but right now is not the time. I, I got to really know where I'm at and I got to make sure that I'm looking after. I don't want to do anything stupid is, yeah. <laughs> is basically what I'm getting at. And I want to make sure I'm going to see, hey, how does this cortisone work? Let's see if I can promote some healing. Um, well, I, we were on vacation this year. I talked to a guy. Uh, I was at the gym. We were doing the morning workout, seeing a guy doing some of the stretches that that I was doing. I got talking to him because I thought this guy's got a back issue. He's doing all the same stuff I've been doing. And he told me he got the shots. He said, listen, after talking, he said, I got the shots eight years ago and I haven't needed any more. And listen, I got to work on it still, but I benefited. So wow. it's all we have right now. There are, you could do topical stuff for the nerves, which I'm not even going to bother. I don't need that. Right. You could do cortisone. That's essentially it. Other than, you know, handwork, manual manipulation, you know, infrared stuff that I'm doing any topical stuff, stretches, any work from a, a, you know, a chiropractor or whatever PT you want to go to. There's nothing else. I, I think they're working on some type of gel compound in Europe right now. It would be great if we had something you could pump in there and build up those discs, but getting the right compound is probably extremely difficult. So the end of the day, what's the next? The next step is surgery and I'm not there. I'm not like short of them finding something crazy, like a yeah. bone spur that's pressing on a nerve that they could actually go in and laser off or cut off. Short of that, surgery is not, I mean, I'm not there yet. So yeah, I don't blame you. That, but it, it's a real issue. I mean, I'm not, uh, you know, look, I could still do a lot of stuff, but I got to be careful. Like I, I have to be careful. I could trigger a spasm or put myself down for two, three days where I'm very limited in, in motion and mobility because things tighten up and I got to be really, really careful with that. Um, so it's definitely kept, kept, it's had to keep my head in the game. It's been a battle, but it's been yeah, a battle. Sure. It's a good thing you're so mentally strong because a lot of people would just be like, ah, just cut me open, do what you got to do. I would, I would definitely exhaust every single opportunity or everything before I would try to surgically fix it. And just the nature of the body always wanting to try to heal itself too. It's that's why I would be doing what you're doing as well. I would try anything. <laughs> I, I think the cortisone is a safe bet. I mean, it's a, it's a steroid. They've yeah. been using it for years. Guys benefit from it. I, I think um, in, in Canada, you are uh, up to three sessions three times. So uh, what they're doing now, the, the old school method was uh, they, uh, of course they pinpoint with uh, ultrasound, um, but it just basically be the low disc. So the guy said, listen, there's a couple old school guys who are still doing it. Look, I, I know it's one of the three discs are causing you the problem. All of them, three of them, it's hard to really determine what exactly is going on, but we would just go in low disc ultrasound, give you the cortisone. He said, now let's just hang on. What we're doing now is we do an MRI. We take a look at the area and go, well, would he benefit up in the second disc? Where do we really want to put this? And he said, I'd rather get a better look. Then we'll go in there with the ultrasound and we'll put one, maybe two up to three. And you can basically do that three times in your lifetime. I mean, short of being professional athlete, like these NFL players who probably pump cortisone into their knee until they're right. Like, you know what I mean? And then they yeah. can't walk the rest of their lives. Right. That's, yeah. he said at that point, you don't, you know, you don't get any more benefit, but look, I mean, the, the risks are absolutely minimal. Sore injection yeah. site, sore injection site, and maybe uh, not a great result. 
you don't get much benefit from it. He said that that's what you're dealing with. The upside is, is we relieve the pain and you trigger a healing process because we've reduced the inflammation. And then you yeah. keep doing what you're doing and you move on. And maybe down the road when you're 55 or 60, you got to come back in and get another one. That would be best case scenario. So I said, you know what? Sign me up, man, because I've been at it, like I said, um, pretty hard since January trying to sort this out. But um, again, th this is going back to the, that hardscape story. I was telling you my my aura being shrunk down, my back just didn't feel right. I was like, yeah. oh, I've done something, man. I've done something. It was just finally I, I came through those gates where, you know, some abuse and some age and some things, factors, maybe genetic. I do have some deterioration that that is real. You know what I mean? So, yeah. but yeah. it's only a limiting factor. It's, I can either make it a, a limiting factor and or <laughs> or go, no, no, I have a limiting factor. It's right here. Yeah. But I, I'm I'm going to beat it, right? I'm going to all outwork it and all out show up and out consistency this issue that I have, right? Yeah. I let it go. I didn't do the proper maintenance. Yes, I was hard on it. I did, but I wasn't doing the proper maintenance. I wasn't fueling myself properly. I wasn't doing the proper recovery over the years. At the end of the day, right? It, it's yeah. here. It's my fault. Like, yeah. so that that's where, you know what I mean? That's yeah, where I got to look at it. Yeah, the, uh, the, the lack of accountability is kind of amazing for most people these days. And it's, it's refreshing to, uh, to see it from you. And right. I, I mean, that's exactly how I am too. I, it's like, yeah, 90% of the shit that's happened to me, probably 99% of it is hundred percent me. There's no reason to, there's no reason to blame others or the situation or whatever. Most of it's just life. A lot of it's my choices. At the end of the day, this is the hand that I'm dealt. Here's a, I can either cry about it or just deal with it. And deal with it. That's it. Yep. Yeah. And, that, and that's where I'm at with it. And like I said, I'm coming out the other side. So I'm feeling some, uh, some hope there. And it and it's definitely hasn't been a linear recovery. It, it's been a, which I've been told it's going to be. So you get those and then you're like, ah, like, and then the, the hopelessness starts to set in a little bit like, oh, is this what I'm going to deal with the rest of my life? And then, okay, boop, you know, and then you get a little bit of a reprieve and you're like, okay, wait a minute. I'm going to, so it's been a, it's been an up and down battle. It, it's incredible <laughs> when, and again, I mean, it's, it's minuscule compared to, you know, some people have some really, really serious, you know, I got a very good friend of mine. He's been in a wheelchair be coming up on 20 years. He is broken, buddy. He rose from the ashes. I mean, he still, he pushes himself, but he will not, he'll never walk on his own two feet again. He's like his, you know what I mean? He's, yeah. he's paralyzed. Like he's, he's got shattered vertebrae and femurs and, and, you know, he broke just about everything he could break short of anything on his face. Right. Like he was, he was beat up. So he's got serious issues. Right. So sometimes yeah. I just have to remember that we got to take a look around. Like I, you know, I've always been told don't minimize your problems to the point that you forget. You actually have problems that need to be sorted out, but, put them in perspective by taking a look around, you know, like yeah. it, it doesn't help me to say, well, you know, I can, I can look across the country and, you know, or to some other country where, you know, people don't have the opportunities we have and, you know, um, they got it way worse and okay, that's true. That is true. Right. But yeah. it, it, it doesn't take away the fact that I have actual real issues and problems that need to be sorted out. Right. If I minimize them to the point that, 
I pretend they don't exist. Well, guess what? They just fester because they don't get work done. So I have the exact amount of issues and problems that, that I need to <laughs> right, become oh, yeah. either like a better person or a worse one because of it. So I'm not going to minimize them to the point again, but I'm, I'm not going to right. I'm not going to swell them up, you yeah. know, and I, I think we've all said it, you know, and make that mountain out of a molehill, but I got to look at them realistically. Yeah. Right. They're all, it all ties into almost everything that we've been talking about today is yeah. just the, the mental fortitude and the consistency to just keep on pushing through shit. It's, it's, it's literally all encompassing for almost every aspect of everybody's lives. It's, it's phenomenally powerful once you remember it because it's always there, but the, the remembering part is where I struggle sometimes for sure. But, um, a lot of people just, it's, they remember and then the action on it because uh, it's a lot easier to just give up <laughs> in everything. You're like, yep, like I said, I'll just go get the surgery or, yeah, I don't, I don't want a food prep or I don't want to work out. It's so much easier and you need that, uh, you need to just remember to be consistent and stay strong mentally. It, it's amazing the things you can overcome when you do all of that. But on that note, uh, I guess we could wrap it on up here, man. Um, been going pretty steady quick here. I don't, I don't know if you've we got time crunch or anything, but I've, I'm, uh, I'm not, I'm not time constrained. And uh, if uh, I always got a couple base jumping stories that we, we could get into that I like to, like to tell if you want to want to hear a yeah, couple from yeah. the uh i forgot i wanted to circle back i know i know so i i thought i'd bring it up um because uh one's been uh one's been on my mind a little bit actually uh in two days um well yeah in two days it'll be uh it'll be 13 years since uh, i lost a really good friend of mine uh in switzerland died on a wingsuit jump uh will heidebrecht's his name he was uh he was a firefighter. He was a father. He's a mentor of mine. Fucking badass dude. But he was, uh, he was a great man, great man. And, uh, we lost him on a wingsuit jump, um, yeah, 13 years ago, um, in Switzerland. And, and that was, a, you know, opened up a whole can of stuff, you know, when, yeah, when sure. people die as you know, so. It was uh, it was a tough go for his kids and everybody else, and that's just who Will was, and his wife knew who he was, and um, and that's just the, you know, how he operated. So um, Switzerland, oh, that's pretty wild. Yeah, yeah. So actually, I did the uh, did the trip a year later. Um, we retraced the steps. Uh, it was, you know, where things happened, and uh, it was. Uh, it was good. It was a, it, it was a shot to the armor. That was kind of the whole process of me, uh, kind of making my move out of it, having to really think about what it was that I was doing and knowing that it was a numbers game. Yeah. Essentially <laughs> given enough time. Yeah. Can you end up an old man and retire from the sport? Maybe, but really how many people do, I'm, I'm not sure. You know, there was kind of that saying that went around that you either, you either quit base jumping or you die base jumping. I know it's yeah. not that much of a dichotomy, but man, it's pretty damn close, right? <laughs> it's close. pretty, it's, 
it's damn close, right? At some point you got to hang up the gear, but um, I got a couple good stories like uh, with Willie, some of them, some of that stand out the most. My, my favorite was, uh, you know, and it was tough to pull off for planning reasons and just to really make it happen. We did, uh, we did base in a day. So it was uh, Will's brainchild that we would uh, hit all four objects. So if anybody doesn't know, I'm sure they do base as an acronym for building antenna span and earth. Um, it kind of fits just about every object. I mean, I think they really nailed it when they, they came up with that name. It, it's, awesome. it's just sharp. Yeah, it hits hard. It's right. It's just got a really cool sound to it, but it, it is an acronym. And that basically covers just about everything you jump off. Anything else falls under other, whether you're on a smokestack or you're jumping a, a burn off tower or, but the, for the most part, you're on a building, you're on an antenna, you're on a bridge span or okay. some type of cliff or earth object. And uh, he came up with this idea. We're going to, it's not a new idea, but it's actually tough to pull off depending where you live uh, to do all four objects in a day. So our rule was, or what we wanted to do was we're going to knock it off in order and we're going to free fall all four objects. So meaning we're not going to static line using military brake cord to extract our parachutes or a technique called uh, a PCA, which is a pilot shoot assist. That's where you, you hold the small drogue shoot for your buddy. We do this on low objects or we did it on low objects or things where you wanted more canopy time and you'd actually physically extract the, the parachute off their back you can get the parachute open and flying a lot quicker than if you free fall it. So we said, we're going to jump them in order. We're going to free fall everything and we're going to do it in 24 hours. So we, that sounds awesome. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a day, man. This is, this was a great day. And there's, there's a great story with it. Like Willie's just, it's just classic, but so to be with him for that 24 hours um, and to make it happen, we made it happen. Um, one of the toughest parts was getting the timing right for the building because buildings are notoriously difficult to get the weather for, especially here in this area. We have not excessive winds, but very common. We're getting 15 to 20 K winds because of the lakes. Um, as a, as an average, that's, that's very high for a building. If <laughs> you know, it, it just is because you, you get those effects within the city that increase the speed of the wind and you get burbles and you get rollers and you can get some dangerous stuff. So what you really need is a light overnight wind, which it happens, but you got to look for it, right? You got to look for it and, and hope for the best. So getting that starting point was difficult. We were eyeing up the weather. We were planning our, our attack, our approach. Um, and we, we set out on a, on a Sunday night or on a Saturday night, 12 o'clock hit. We knew that if we could be at that building, get up there and get started, it's Sunday, technically it's Sunday. So that was our plan. Building went off all right. We hit it in a, one of the outskirts of Toronto. Some of the, the big build areas there, um, we were eyeing up a building. That's what we do. We'd eye them up when they were under construction, figure out a way to assess, uh, you know, access them and then make our approach. This building had glass on it. It was well on its way, but it was still under construction. So um, we had it eyed up anyhow and had done our recon on it. And, uh, and that was our starting point. So we hit that, it went off, nothing to speak of both of us, boom, off the top, about a 400 foot building, um, single action, single parachute systems, base gear, made the jump, landed, right? I had two rigs, Willie had two rigs. That was the plan. So from there we drove to a 
almost sure thing, which was a antenna that we jumped regularly um, on our way back around to Niagara. So this thing was almost a sure thing. Nothing's a sure thing, but this was the <laughs> easiest. This was the easiest of all four objects because it was remote. It's an antenna. You can, depending on the winds, you can, man, we are jumping stuff in, in pretty high winds if you're getting a decent direction. So that wasn't a concern. Winds were light. We knew. Get there, second parachute, climb up. I think we went to the 500 foot. Uh, there was a 500 foot deck there. It was actually, it's an ice shield over top of an antenna. That was a regular exit for us. Um, nice. Great story to that is that guys, old school guys, years before that actually went up there with tools and uh, modified the the jump deck by taking the angle iron that was in the way for a good exit and they rebolted it underneath. So they actually took tools and modified the antenna. Yeah. Oh yeah. So this thing is a big ice shield. You could put four or five guys on it. It was basically made of expanded metal like you would see on a catwalk and angle iron. And uh, you could walk out on this deck, man. And uh, that was a 500 foot exit point. So we made our jump from there. Again, nothing to speak of, everything good. Boom, landed. Now we got two unpacked rigs and we got to repack. So next plan, we drive to Fort Erie because now we got to cross over into the States. This is where it gets tough. Our two objects in the States to hit the bridge and to hit earth, we're going to be the tough ones. We're going to a bridge in Nicholson, PA. You can look it up. It's an old train bridge. It's 240 feet in Nicholson, PA, and we'd only seen pictures of it. We had never been there. So oh it was like... God. This one, this one was the, like, okay, here we are. We got our two down. We drove to Fort Erie to uh, my boss's shop, who was the, the Mennonite farmer who owned a construction company, was also a pilot. He had an extremely pristine Jeez. hangar with multiple airplanes in it. Like the guy did well. I had a key to the shop because I would open the shop up and get stuff and whatever. It was all good. He knew Willie, like, anyways, we went into the hangar, flipped the hangar on. You could eat off the floor here in this hangar. <laughs> and we set up and packed our gear. So we get two more parachutes packed up. We're going to be ready to go. We go to the truck stop. We're going to have breakfast. We didn't want to cross over the border too early and kind of arouse any suspicion, right? And get stung at the border for any reason at all. So we oh, thought, okay, okay, let's go have breakfast. We'll let the sun come up. We got lots of time. Like it's Sunday morning now, we got two objects to do, like we can hit this, right? So we have breakfast, we cross over the border, we tell them we're going to Frontier Skydive in case they want to see, we got parachutes, that's where we're going, no problem. We're going to Frontier to Skydive. Reasonable time, 7.30 in the morning or something. Okay, we're across. We drive to Nicholson, PA. Buddy, this bridge, man, let me tell you. We get there and have a look at it, and it's like, Willie, this thing is the trees, the 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 uh, right, the mature tree growth on either. I'm talking 60, 70, 80 foot trees on the valley, and what it comes down to is a river, a creek, like a decently sized river, but not that big, man. Yeah. And I'm like, holy fuck, Willie, there's no landing area here, bro. Not much of one. Any, we're gonna have to land in the water, right? We got to land in the water. There's no way. Gotcha. So <clears throat> we wander up through the, interesting enough, um, we found a, a, a memorial. It was very interesting, a memorial to some woman who had died. I'll, I'll never forget it. There was flowers and she must've been a really, I remember going, this woman must've been a really special person, man, for people to build this memorial in the, um, 
in the woods for her. And we stopped and we took their, we took our time. Her name was Lucy. And, uh, anyways, what we did, we had now, here's the, here's the kicker because we thought, well, we don't even know if we could free fall this thing when we were looking at it. So we brought some big static lines thinking, okay, we're going to have to deviate from our plan here. Like if we want to still get it done and, and live, then we may have to static line PCA, then static line off the bridge, which would mean one of us would PCA the guy. The next guy would find a place to tie off a, uh, you know, military brake rope, like an 80 pound brake rope to an unbreakable rope, very small. And then you tie that to your pilot shoe. It's a process. Then you jump and you allow that static line to be the deployment for you. It's a nerve wracker, but depending on what object you're on, when you got a tie, you don't want to be the guy. You want to be PCA'd, right? Because you got a, your buddy looking after you. Yeah. Like people don't realize, like, I'll bring you somewhere to tie off a static line. Come stand on this ice shield at 500 feet and get to the corner and tie that string around that little corner bracket on the, and then, and then get your pilot shoot all set up and be happy that your fucking bridle isn't going to snag on something like, yeah. It's a stressful, it's a stressful <laughs> ordeal, right? The bridge may not have been so bad, but still time, you might've had to been standing up on the column and tying off to something and getting your pilot shoot set up. It, it still wouldn't be fun. When we got to that, uh, memorial, I said to Willie, buddy, we're either doing this or we're not doing it. And we hung our static line set up with the military brake cord with the memorial. Cause I said, we're free falling this thing. If we're going, we're going, but like, we're not doing it. We're leaving our static line here. That's it. So we hung our static line at that Memorial made our way up to the top of that bridge, bro. This, this thing's 240 with trees that are 60, 70, 80 feet on the other side. That severely reduces the altitude on the other side. Right. Yeah. It was, uh, I'll tell you what, but then something just hit me. I said, Willie, I'm going, bud. Like, that's it. I'm going, I'm going right over the water. We're going to land in the water. That's it. I had a, uh, a mojo at the time I was jumping the mojo 240, 240 square foot canopy. Got my pilot shoot up. I set up that one. I went in hand and, uh, he was just like, all right, T I stepped up on it. Fucking launched off through the pilot shoot opened up into a headwind. I'll never forget it, man. Parachute opens perfectly on heading. So I'm looking right up the water. Nice. I got hit with this. I don't know. 20, 25 K headwind. And it blew me backwards. I actually landed under the bridge, but it was fairly, I, yeah, it was fairly ideal because it brought me back somewhat slow. I didn't have a lot of forward motion at all because I'm, I'm coming backwards. Canopy's not driving. And I just yeah. sat down in the water, man. And, uh, I remember Willie yelling down, T you okay. And, uh, I yelled back like, I'm good. I yeah. found out later, I asked him, I said, ah, how'd you feel when uh, he said, honestly, <laughs> fuck, I was terrified. When you said you were good, I was terrified because he said, if you weren't good, he said, I may have his, his first instinct would have been, I actually have to run down to do a proper, if there's problems, because what if I get into a problem yeah. and, and I'm not able, right? So his first responder, you know, senses were firing, but he said, as soon as you yelled back, you were okay. He was like, okay, here we go. So <laughs> Off Willie goes, man. I'll never forget it, dude. Willie opens up. He gets like a 45 right. So the orientation of your canopy, how it opens matters in base, depending on what you're jumping. The 
the infamous 180 is what if you're on a building dude and your parachute comes out and it's in a 180 the last thing you want man it's the last thing you want because now your parachute's opened 180 it spins your body around and now you're looking at the object you just jumped off right like people yeah, that's what gets people the most. Everybody, hey, what happens if your parachute opens? Well, that doesn't even matter. That's a that's a non-starter. We're not concerned about what's going to happen if your parachute doesn't open. You're it's over. What matters <laughs> is what happens after your parachute opens. And and most people don't realize that base is extremely dangerous. Skydiving is extremely dangerous after your parachutes open. That's where if you look at the injury death fatality pie, the yeah. biggest number is after your parachute opens because what are you going to do now you're flying under a fabric wing anything could happen so willie opens he gets a 45 which isn't terrible but there it wasn't great because now you're flying (laughs) into those trees i'll never forget it man willie gets on the toggle button grabs the left hand toggle hawks it around his feet come over the top of those trees just like he's skimming through them man he whips this 180 and now he's into that headwind and he flies under the bridge, man. And he flares, biffs into the water, dude. And we got the bridge under our belt, like comes up. Yeah, we're just pumped, right? <laughs> we got the bridge now. But here's where the best part of the story unfolds. I'm like, well, I got stuff in my trunk. Like I'm wet now. He, Willie's wearing jean shorts. <laughs> like, dude, you got jean shorts on. That's the worst, right? You're soaked. <laughs> Right? With jean shorts, you got you don't got nothing. Oh, gee, I didn't bring anything. He wasn't thinking we were landing in water. Although the last jump, we're going to almost inevitably, you're landing in water. You can put it on the rocks, but the cliff we're going to, I don't know, you, you're putting it in water, shallow water. But anyway, so he's got nothing. All right, so he's soaked now. All right, we got the bridge and we're driving to a state park um, where there's this phenomenal 300 foot cliff beside a waterfall. And uh, it's been jumped quite a few times over the years. And uh, that's our final on there. So anyways, we're on the way. That's the best. We see a roadside garage sale and the people had clothes out, okay, on a, <laughs> on a hanger. Nice. So we're like, let's pull in here and see if we can get you something. Now, I've changed to a blue pair of shorts and I had a orange construction t-shirt. That's some <laughs> of the extra clothes I had in my trunk. So I'm now wearing an orange construction t-shirt and a blue pair of shorts. Okay. Turns out the girl says, Oh, I don't know if I got anything here that let me check what my husband's got. They went in and because she's a woman, she came out and said, how about these true story with this blue pair of shorts and an orange shirt. So now we're matching. Now we look like we're matching. It was hilarious. We're laughing. We're like, that's perfect. Willie pays her like 15 bucks or something for the clothes. Puts the dry clothes on, we're gone. We get to the we get to the cliff. So the thing with this cliff is you want to get in, make an assessment of see what the winds are doing down in the bowl, right? Because 300 foot cliff, you got a, a waterfall that's fallen from about 220 that's cut through the rocks. It'll throw some fucking burbles off. You can get a few different things happening down there. Let's go in, get a feel what the what the winds are doing. It's about a three or four K hike in along the along the trail. And then you got to come three or four K out, climb the backside of the, the hillside, go up along the top and, and make the jump. So we go in, okay, on this trail and make our assessment and we're happy. 
we're turning around on the way out. This group is coming in about halfway out. Three guys and three of their girlfriends, right? And they see the two of us. We're jogging out now, mind you, because we want to do a light jog, get out, get set up. We want to knock this thing off. So here we come jogging by. And some guy goes, well, look at fucking team safety here. Fucking <laughs> faggots. You hear them in the background, <laughs> right? They're chirping us as we jog by because we're two guys matching. <laughs> Buddy, their antlers fell off not long later. They were in the they were in the observation deck, bro, when we come off the top. And I fucking yeah. said safety first, buddy. And you could see his antlers fell right off, bro. Like he was right. The girls were like, Ooh, like, anyways, I, I love telling that. Cause they, I'm like, I get it. We look like a couple of clowns. Here we are running <laughs> out of the, we got matching blue shorts and orange t-shirts on. Like, dude, we got up there, man, had our gear on, had a peak. The exit point on there is just beautiful. You come out between two trees. You can do a running exit off this cliff, get a couple good steps yeah. in. Oh, yeah, you launch out through the trees, have a peek, throw the pilot chute, down, fly into the into the rocks of the water, land, and uh, out we go. Avoid the um, park rangers, and we were gone, buddy, and we did base in a day. So That's awesome. Yeah, man, that, that, was, a, that was a big one for the logbook. Um, for me and Willie, you know, like uh, – pulling that one off. Uh, we got a video out there one day. I'll send it to you. We, we put in a, uh, an attempt at man tracker. I don't know if you ever remember man tracker on the horse and he tracked down people in Northern Ontario. We did a video for that where we jumped Bon Echo and we played chess at the top of the cliff and we had to make a couple jumps to do the video and everything. It was tough. And, um, and we never got in. They told us basically guys, you're like a season too late. Like if you it was one of the most, discouraged I, buddy i laid in my house uh, for a weekend i was so depressed they, they sent us a whole nice letter and a, and a thing and saying thank you for everything because it was a we had to make a video you had to fill out a long uh resume questions and we were shooting yeah. for this tv show man and we got denied and uh oh, I, I don't think i've ever been so depressed but um <laughs> you know he yeah. was uh he was yeah man he was something else bud and uh yeah we jumped uh uh, smokestacks and you know we used to jump this burn-off station at an uh, at a big refinery man the ones where you see that flame way off in the distance bro we'd climb that yeah. thing it was 280 feet outside climb uh we'd hit that thing dude it was crazy man out the back of with with a huge oil refinery in the background it, it was that was a, that was a jump man for the ages like you had to hike in through cornfields and you know climb under fences and out and around all this old scavenged scrapyard area from the refinery and sneak through all this stuff in the shadowing from all the lights. Like it was just a, it was a really, really cool jump. And so, yeah, that was good, man. It, it was a great time in my life. Uh, base it's, you know, there's a lot that goes into, you know, that two or three or four second free fall. And there's more to it, you know, the recon and the access and, you know, the climbing and, you know, everything that, that, that went with it was, uh, yeah, required you to, to pay attention and be on point. And I was, I was in the moment and, you know, you're not thinking about issues and problems and, you know, you're focused on that jump and, and the, the bonds and the camaraderie you build with your buddies is, uh, it's a, it's a once in a lifetime thing. And, and that was, uh, that was then, you know, and then your buddy goes in and, you know, your other buddy moves to Norway and, and that part of your life really changes right 
So yeah. those are awesome yeah. memories, though. That's that's so wild. I never knew bass was an acronym. That's cool. That oh, cool okay. See, it. so right. Yes, it's it is an acronym. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I always knew it was just jumping off buildings. Like that was my only frame of reference for right. bass jumping. I mean, you could. Okay. My understanding was you just jump and throw your shoot like that. That was my cursory level understanding of bass jumping. Right. But that's fascinating. I didn't know it was an acronym. And what a crazy 24 hours, though, man. Yeah. That's, oh, that's it was such a cool story. Thanks, man. Yeah, that was uh, that was a pretty good one. And uh, I, I, one other quick one here that uh, we got we got popped on a building. This building that we jumped. Long story short, I had the keys to. Uh, keys to a hotel. I had the access to the mechanical room because my buddy was the, uh, at that time, he, uh, he was their HVAC expert and, uh, he had given me access to the mechanical rooms, which were still under construction at the time. Um, this was a tower in Niagara Falls. There's only a few of them. You can look across the skyline and you'll see the tallest one next to the shortest one. But anyways, we had jumped both of those. Um, and we were hitting this thing fairly regular waiting for the winds hitting when I mean regular, I got about 25 jumps off this building, 22 to 25 jumps off this building, because like I said, I had the key, but the final jump happened when, uh, I believe by accident, uh, the security came out. I think they were just coming out because they'd like to walk around that at night and maybe smoke cigarettes or hang out and take a look at the view. Cause the view is incredible. Um, yeah. that exit point was 500 feet. Uh, basically right over the falls. You could get mist coming across the falls. You had all the lights going on. We'd hit it late at night after midnight. Um, access inside was fairly easy because you could wear a black jumpsuit and have your gear bag and you look like a tourist. You just walk in like you're a tourist. Everybody's coming in with bags. Everybody's coming in. You didn't stand out, right? Um, so we'd walk in. We take the stairs up a portion of the way, come out, get in the elevator, go up. Sometimes we get right in the elevator, ride right up. Sometimes we take the stairs, whatever we felt like was the best thing to do. Get up to that upper level floor. And I had the keys to access through the stairwell into the, the last three upper decks, which were going to be at some point, uh, I don't know, some massive uh bird's eye view they're going to build this level it was two levels high they, whatever they're going to put in it was empty and then you had the hvac stuff so there was these floors up there where there was nobody in there there was nobody in there man and we could go up there we could take it easy till everything was right and the times were right we could lounge you could take a nap whatever you had to do to make you know your 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 right timing and uh we were up there and so what happens was, is the mist was blowing in really heavy off the falls, like heavy, heavy, heavy. You couldn't see anything. So we were blinded uh, at ground level, like from the top, you could see nothing. It was like being in the clouds. Okay, well, we'll wait it out, wait it out. They started to disperse. Ah, it was kind of looking good. We geared up ah, then it clouded in again. Okay, well, we'll wait it out. Let's wait it out. Finally, it started to break and we're looking down and we're looking over the Tim Hortons parking lot and the, a cop pulls in there. We're like, we got to fly. We're flying right over that parking lot. Like, <laughs> we're literally flying over that parking lot and landing in this next parking lot. You know, if everything goes well, that's where we're going to put it down. Okay. Yeah. Well, we got to wait. So clouds rolling again. So then my buddy at the time, Sparky, it wasn't Willie, uh, another buddy. It was part of our crew. He's moved to Norway now. Probably might be 10 guys in the world that have more jumps than him. 
Uh, Sparky <laughs> Bayich is his name. He's a super conservative, uh, probably one of the most experienced base jumpers in the world at this time. Now he lives in Norway, teaches the course. Long story. I'm up here with him, right? And he had brought me along and taught me the ropes. So he said, listen, we're going to get geared up. We're going to pin check. We're going to double check. We're going to tighten down. We're going to be ready to go. And then if this thing clears, we get a view, we're gone. So fortunately, he said that. So we gear up everything, pin check, double check, pilot shoot check, everything. Check, 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 chest strap. We're good. Like I can send grandma off. Like we're good to go. Helmet on, right? Like everything's good. And dude, no sooner. I mean, within, I bet you five to 10 minutes of that. Cause now we're waiting for our perfect time. Yeah. A little bit of cloud clearing and we're going to punch it. Dude, the door to the roof where we were at punches open boom and it just slammed open and at that time it was still this modified built construction door on the upper floor they still had this big heavy partially modified built with plywood and metal the steel door that was the construction door they hadn't put the finished door on it yet then there was an internal compartment and then there was a finished door to the so what we believe happened is when the security guard opened there was a pressure blow right? Because of the pressure difference from inside the building and outside the building. And that's yeah. what drove that door open. But it seemed like somebody kicked the door open. It was extremely <laughs> startling. Yeah. So we were froze, buddy. And, and we're on an upper deck with, you know, uh, railing columns, stone railing columns that now we're leaning against. And dude, all of a sudden there's two security guards there, one guy and one girl. And I think they were as startled as we were. Okay, because yeah. they didn't expect to see us, but they did. Here we are. We're standing there. Well, buddy, without skipping a beat, he says, that'll be it, boys. That's what he said to us. <laughs> he said, yep. He said, that'll be it, boys. Like, basically, whatever it is you're doing, you're popped. <laughs> and and Sparky, bud, without skipping a beat. And, and remember, it hasn't even really cleared up. We weren't going yet. We were waiting for the best time. It was cloud. Man, misty, everything. Well, it didn't matter at that point. Willie Sparky says, Oh, yeah, bud. He said, We're out of here. Turns around, steps on the column, and disappears into the cloud, dude. Disappears into the cloud. That's awesome. I look at the guy, but he was like, They were both like this. And I said, Have a good evening. That's what I, dude, I said, Have a good evening. I stepped off that column, buddy. I threw the gainer, right? Because I like throwing the gainers. I love talking the gainers off there. I threw the gainer off there just after telling them, have a good evening, buddy. And off into the clouds we went and uh, opened the canopies, flew down, you know, came down below the clouds, landed in the parking lot, packed up our stuff and uh, see you later. But I'll tell you one thing. By the morning, I get a call from my buddy. He's like, don't even I can come around here, dude. They got pictures of you guys in the lobby. They brought <laughs> us in for a security meeting. They got pictures of you getting on the, on the elevator. Like, oh, so geez. they did an investigation after. And then that was the end of that, that we burned that building that night. And, uh, <laughs> that was it, but it was a good one. If you're going to go out, you better go out. In exactly. style. So, that's a, yeah, that's an epic way to burn the building. Just yeah, yeah, we burned her, but it was epic. It was epic. It's a good story, and you know they tell that story, and we tell that story, and uh, yeah, I'll never forget it. So, but yeah, bro, thanks for uh, giving me a little bit of time to 
throw some uh, old base jumping stories out there and uh it's a great sport but it's uh, a thing of my past now you know so yeah yeah i understand that <laughs> Man, the adrenaline from all that, though. I'm an adrenaline junkie, so it's making me want to do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, I can't even imagine, especially on that last one, because you're like, oh, shit. And then you're like, all right, I'm out. I'm out, bud. Into the clouds. Yep. That's poetic. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it, it was a good time. I, uh, I got no regrets, you know, really. So uh, I got to just say, hey. Pack it in and uh, and move on, right? Which is, yeah. is what I've done. So can't take those memories away. So that's, no, that's perfect. I love that. <laughs> yeah, it's good, man. Right on, brother. It's been uh, it's been a really great time, man. Like I said, uh, I enjoy uh, our camaraderie, uh, following your uh, what you're building, your brand. I, I see success for you, bro. Keep at it. Uh, you know, what you're offering, uh, is, is great stuff. And there's going to people that will, will benefit. I benefit, I benefit every day from it. And, uh, yeah, you know, introducing me, some of these new people, your buddy Ben there, we're, we're kicking it now <laughs> back and forth. And, you know, he's a bonafide professional and, he's you know, awesome. uh, a lot of these other guys out there that are, that are leading the way as well. And, um, yeah, it's a pretty cool thing. I know I had no idea it existed, Barrett. So. <laughs> Me either, man. I mean, this is, I haven't been on social media in over a decade or so probably. So this is like eight or nine months of it, uh, of me j jumping into it. So it's, I've honestly very much enjoyed it, surprising myself with that. And Twitter specifically from what you mentioned earlier, just, yeah. it's just something different about that platform versus the other ones that I've experimented with. Everyone's a little bit too much. Oh, look at me. But Twitter, there's a, general camaraderie and connections that I've been able to establish with. So yeah. And you too, man, you not only the humor and <laughs> all the stuff that you post, but just you inspire me too. Like I said, with the barefoot running and just, I didn't even know about your back and it's been how long we've been following each other. That's, yep. that's how strong of a person you are as well. You're not sitting there. Oh, my back. Blah blah blah. Like, nah, just get after it. Yeah. What are you gonna do? <laughs> That's it. Push through, brother. We're gonna push through. We're gonna keep showing up. You know, being dads, being the best dads that we can. Your your little girl there, just an absolute sweetheart. She's gonna just be on the move, man. And oh my God. nothing like having a little girl, man. I love my boy too, but you know, the girls just love you like like <laughs> nothing else. You are their first love. I mean, I see it. My middle child, buddy, I am her first love, man. She loves me, dude. She loves right. me and I love her and she's, I love all my kids. Don't get me wrong, but there is that, that special bond that, you know, I think Dr. Phil said it the best one. He said, you could never imagine after your first child, he said that you could ever love your second child as much. where, where is it going to come from? But he said, you get this whole other account. It's like an account and it's full. <laughs> And then the next child, you get another account and that account's full. Like, and he's so right about that. Like, I love all my children with this, but it's always a full account. Like, awesome. it's not like, where's the love going to come from? You don't, you don't get drained from that. I don't get drained from that. There's, there's something there. Yeah. They drive you crazy. They can be extremely frustrating. There's a lot of patience. It's a learning curve, all oh, that yeah. stuff. But you know, man, like your little girl, bud, there's nothing yeah. like it. Yeah, nothing really like it. Nothing, 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 man. So 
Yeah, propel now, that I, now that I can uh, now that I can come to Canada, I'm, <laughs> I'll have to come over and visit, man. Because I think yeah, we have brother. a good time together. For sure, maybe take you up one of those antennas just for fun. We'll go. Uh, we'll go have a peek, maybe at the. Yeah, that would be awesome. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah we get popped over. Then you're not allowed in Canada again. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> uh, what's another decade? Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, but you're you're more than welcome here anytime. I hope to. Uh, I'm sure you know. Continue to to build the camaraderie and the connection, and eventually connect somewhere for a whether it be a race or. Uh, Anything that, you know, I can't be thinking of right now will unfold. And I'd love to break yeah. bread with you sometime and and hang Absolutely. out. And I'm sure that'll happen, my friend. Yeah, yeah. No doubts in my mind either. Maybe we'll have a international dad fit. <laughs> I like it. Go. I like it, man. Your brand's going to be, it's on. I, you're on to something, man. Keep building it, brother. All right, Taylor. Appreciate you, man. Thank you so much. I enjoyed it. Thanks this. for having me. All the best. See you guys. Bye. Big news, dads. Unlock the ultimate dad fit package. You got workouts. We do white glove nutrition, balancing work and life, all those kind of things. We only got limited spots though, so dive in now and become the ultimate dad fit dad.